Hi, Trish Lambert here, giving you a little bit of an introduction to this particular bonus episode of Riddles in the Dark. This was recorded during the Mythgard webathon uh, that took place at the beginning of November. So you will hear pledge breaks happening with updates on amount of money raised during the webathon. Um, and probably reference to other things that went on in the webathon. So um, just stick with it. Uh, pretend that you took part in the webathon. If you weren't there, you get a little piece of it. Um, and enjoy. Good evening, and welcome to a very, very special episode of Riddles in the Dark, brought to you by the Mythgard Institute. Special because I've got my glass of scotch, and you can see a video of me wearing my t-shirt jacket combo that Trish loves. But also special because we're coming to you live from the Mythgard Webathon, which has been running all day. Well, not all day, but a lot of the day, um, and has been chock full of excellent content that hopefully you did not miss. Um, hopefully you're listening to this after having also observed this whole thing live and donated money. Now, we have a really, really exciting and full um, agenda tonight. We are going to go through uh, frame by frame every single second of the Desolation of Smaug <laughs> extended edition content. So we're going to be on here for 12 hours. And, uh, and we have a very, very full panel. So... I'm your co-host, Dave Kale, and with me, as always, are Laura Burkholz, Trish Lambert, and the illustrious founder of the Mythgard Institute, oh. Corey Olson. An excellent oh. introduction. And Corey just, and Corey's the, talking and we mute, cannot hear him. The silent mute Corey Olson. <laughs> well, I thought that was an improvement, frankly. I don't know what you think, but uh, I don't know. There's a little something. Let's do the uh, the rest of the riddles in the dark, and we, we we can make it even longer if I like mime the rest. There you, know? you go. Yeah. That's that's, yes. Now I'm gonna disappear for just a second because I just spilled my drink. I was gonna toast Dave, and my drink just went right on the floor. So I'm gonna go get a towel, but I'll be right back. But well done. Nice. You and I will pick up wherever you are. Nice. Laura, you did an excellent job of moderating the debate, by the way. Thank you. My it's job a, was just to keep it from just being a Corey monologue and Exactly. Yeah, that was the main risk. Yeah. 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 It was a thankless job and you did it. It was great fun. I, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> and the bird agrees. We have Ross Goble so again the on the other end there. Yeah, exactly. Sounds like an authentic Riddles in the Dark episode. Uh, yeah, okay. it isn't. Uh, without, um, without like, uh, many segues, um, uh, detours, and then animal noises in the background. 
exactly. Okay, so what I was going to talk about before we like officially started and everything was looking at the distribution of the new scenes in the extended edition. So just to kind of get a sense of sort of the pacing of these things. So I thought it was interesting. There were a bunch of places where we got a lot of new material and then huge swaths of the film, you know, like more than an hour would go by in which there was no, most notably, the end of the film. Mm-hmm. There were no... There were there were no added things, um, nothing inside the mountain at all. Like there was there was there was no additional footage inside of Erebor or involving Smaug at all. Um, <laughs> Surely, Corey, you didn't think they would cut out action scenes. Well, no, it's but the- theoretically there could have been something other than action scenes <laughs> in the mountain. So you know that would have been that would have been cool. But um. Uh, no, so and and uh, the other thing was basically throughout the whole throughout the whole middle. So we had a we had a bunch up to you know uh, several at the beginning, a bunch through you know a couple with with Bjorn, a couple with with uh, with Merkwood, um, and then a, a, a few three or four in Lake Town, um, and then the stuff with Thran and Gandalf and Dol Guldur, and that was basically it. I mean, we, we you know we can look at, at some of these things separately, um, but um, uh, but there was there was almost nothing with the elves. There were no you know Thranduil or Toriel or Legolas scenes. There were no you know it's so. <clears throat> I thought that was um, I thought that was just kind of interesting, of the stuff that we did not see more of. Yeah, I the one I really missed was um, I sh- was sure there was going to be more of Bilbo in the in the halls of the Elven King. Mm-hmm. I just was sure we were going to see, especially. I mean, they went you know, well. We'll talk about the Bjorn piece a little bit later, but I mean, you know, with all the other things that they added in, it would have been nice to have seen a little bit more of Bilbo breaking him out of prison. But, right. Oh well. Right. Yeah. That's true. I I was hoping to see more of the Feast of the Stars or whatever that was. Also, you know, yeah. just more, more, yeah, right. more of Keeley yeah. and, and Tariel just kind of staring deeply into each other's eyes. I know, I think that's what a lot of Tolkien fans <laughs> were hoping for. More romance. I, I thought you would have wanted to see more Bomber in a barrel. Oh, well, yeah, certainly. I, I was expecting that, pro- yeah, I was expecting that most of the um, footage they cut out was just uh, Bomber action sequences. That they yeah. just decided they already had enough and they didn't need more, but they well, had they like another ten minutes. Well, they did add in. Well, bomber in action sequence that they added. Exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what we needed: more bomber inactivity. You know, right. um, I, I have to. I have to say, you know, there there have been a, you know a couple of people who have. I mean, I've 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 seen a bunch of people making sort of cracks about the fact that bomber doesn't talk. You know, in the so you know I, I've I've got a few sarcastic comments. Um, you know when posting on you know on like uh, on 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 Twitter about the 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 new film people being like oh is bomber going to say anything I like the fact that Bomber doesn't say anything. I actually think that that's a really that's that that's actually that's really cool. Uh, it seems to me, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 um, I, I like that seems like a, a you know sort of a a sort of a fun character thing at this point. I don't hmm. understand. I mean, it's not like they just forgot to give him lines. You know, I mean, it's pretty clear by the end of the second film that it's like one of the things about Bomber's character is that he never utters a word. It's just not super uh, chatty. No, just not super chatty. So, yeah, yeah. Well, shall we? All right. Okay. All right. Waiting for this to load up, or are we? Okay. No, here we go. So, um, 
I would uh, I actually want to sort of skip over um, uh, the first one here um, because the first one is uh, the, the, the the first scene is uh, Gandalf and Thorin in uh, in in Bree, mm-hmm. and it's setting up the Thran stuff. So I want to talk about the Thran stuff later. We'll come back to that. Um, okay. But I want to I want to start with. Where oh, so you want to do that like in juxtaposition with the Thrain and uh, the Thrain and stuff? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to talk about um, uh, Bjorn first. Oh Sorry. yeah, let's talk about Bjorn. Oh, mine does that. What is? Oh, hang on. Yeah. Sorry. Mine does the same thing. Yeah, not working. Um, Bummer. Yeah, my. Uh, my other version of it is is well let's 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 my my visuals should be should come in a second here uh or a few okay. seconds let's well, let's I talk about them in general let's talk about Bjorn. let's, let's talk, talk about, about the Bjorn scenes yeah yeah um okay i'm not going to beat around the bush here i think the the queer lodging scene is dreadful absolutely dreadful yeah i'm glad um, they cut that out actually even though yeah. it's a scene in the book, they didn't do it very well. I know. It's not just that they didn't do it very well. It's that they did it utterly illogically. Well, it really, it was already utterly illogical. I mean, when I was, it's They're actually. already there. Yeah. 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 It, it emphasized the Ill, the illogic of the whole Bjorn sequence there because um, it already didn't make sense that Bjorn chased them into his own house. Right. Yes. You know, like I was, I was that whole, I mean, remember when we were looking at the trailer there, right? Um, we were, we were looking at um, the whole bearer at the door trailer moment. And remember the, I remember asking the question, how are we going to get from like slavering bear trying to break through the door and kill them mm-hmm. to I'll lend you my ponies. Right, and the answer was no way. We're just it's just going to happen, and we're going to hope you don't ask questions. I that that was really hard. The only gesture at an explanation is Gandalf's line to Bilbo, where he says, "In bear form, he's unpredictable, but mm-hmm. you know the human form, you know in human form, he can be reasoned with. In high waisted pants form, he's quite reasonable. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, but." Then what we got, you know, so I was like, I was in the theatrical version, I was like hanging on by my fingernails there with like suspension of belief or suspension of disbelief. Right. Um, but then the new, the, this, the new scene, the, uh, the, that was, um, it just kind of destroyed that for me because um, I, um, I couldn't, I couldn't, Okay, so like the premise is, Gandalf is going to come and introduce people, uh, you know, like slowly. Let, let me go and like I'll break him in, and then the dwarves will come in. So they're trying to recreate the scene from the book, but I cannot get away from the fact that they're coming out of his own house. <laughs> you know, like we're well... going to conceal from the dude like with the with the <laughs> animal sense of smell that there are thirteen dwarves inside his own house. Ha- I... I just, yeah, I, I kind of took that as, 
is he you know he is he's just come out of his bear form he's chopping up the wood to sort of work out his animal aggression or whatever so he's still in transition and Gandalf is trying to sort of you know slowly introduce these all these people in his house so and then the other thing is about about him chasing them into his own house i thought that instead of him chasing them they were running towards the house and he was just chasing them you know well, it's yeah, not that he was chasing it's, them it's not that he's hurting them in the, in there but i and, and like you know but he knows I they're get, in there right right because well you'd think you'd think he would um, unless maybe he doesn't remember when he's a bear and when he's a man maybe there's like two halves of the brain, or so, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's true. He would have already seen them when he was chasing them. Yeah, it certainly there. kind of implies Why that. Would he need to? But it will make no freaking sense yeah. when he later on is. Well, maybe that's why they cut it out bear. of the movie. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, after the fact, they were like, "Wait, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever." Whereas in the book, all that happens before they meet Bjorn. So right. he's not been chasing them around as a bear. I don't know yes. why they couldn't have done it, it that way, actually. I mean, why couldn't they have done it? Well, well it'd be a little less traumatic, I mean, because they're yeah. running away from the orcs. From the orcs, yeah. And, yeah, they would have to kind of... That sequence kind of stops the action really right there. Yeah, and they... Yeah, they didn't want to do that, I guess. Maybe he so. just... Maybe it was dark, and or maybe just in bear form, he can't count. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing that was interesting... Like, I hope there weren't any dwarves among you. <laughs> it's, in, it's in the next scene is when he talks about Sauron and remembering a time yes. when Sauron ruled that area, which implies that he's very, very old. That's true. So, yes. yeah, so maybe he's having trouble forming new memories. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I, yeah, it's I, I do. I mean, this it was it was my biggest problem with the Bjorn stuff is that I actually I really did like the second scene. That is that that conversation with Gandalf about the yeah. Um That I thought was really good. Not it, it it was really good in two ways. That was the first of the new scenes that I was really really glad was in there, um, and that I think really added something that the theatrical version lacked. And that is two things. First of all. More on Bjorn that uh, you know that makes him just look less like uh, an out of control rabid beast and more like a uh, you know the like what we get in the book, which is Bjorn as like okay he may be erratic and he's certainly impolite, <clears throat> but he is he is but even before he takes on leadership of the humans he's like the major figure he, he there's you know he has something almost like sovereignty in that region. You know, he's a big deal around there. He's not just like a random dude who lives there. He's a big deal in the whole region. And that conversation with Gandalf uh, about Dol Guldur really establishes that, N not only implying that he is himself quite old, um, but also, you know, sort of showing he's got, he's got the big picture in mind. He's not, you know, he, he's, he's, you know, it's it's you know he's not there's there's no like villages of woodsmen there as in the book that we're that we're thinking about, but um, but he's thinking about the big well, picture. You know, and in fact, that was missing. That's true. He's been he's been in Middle Earth longer than Gandalf has, right? Because Gandalf came in um, after the. We don't well, we don't know exactly when he started. Um, yeah, Bjorn, that is, I and mean, we don't know exactly when you know he might. He might be, you know, exactly how old he is. 
is unclear. Well, if he's mm-hmm. if he says he he remembers when the one when Sauron ruled that area, it would have to be before the end of the second More age. Alliance, right? Yeah. Yeah, and and Gandalf didn't show up in Middle Earth until the middle of the third age. I wonder so. how long ago that was, though. I, I mean, I, I'm not being facetious. Um, well, and we're I mean, talking about Peter Jackson. That's what I mean. Too, that's what I mean. Yeah, because of the way he's coming so much. Um, I yeah. mean, the way in which the film covers in the matter of like a day and a half, <clears throat> the time you know the stuff that takes like centuries to transpire in 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 Tolkien's timeline. I actually, do we ever get an answer to that question? No, I'm, I'm not I, really no. Sure. I remember back, like on the Fellowship like, of the Ring. I don't right, think. Right. Is is there any gesture at how long ago that time I was? I think it's just that, a long, long time that ago. That Gandalf came over. No, 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 that, um, that Sauron fell. That, you know, the, the Battle of the oh. Last Alliance. Um, long ago in a galaxy far away. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a while a back. Long ago just, time. It just suddenly occurred to me. Yeah. It's actually kind of um, funny that I never even asked that question before. But, yeah, I'm trying to remember back or, to Galadriel. An age or more, something like that. Right. I think they right. said an age or more. Like a long age ago um, or something because, like that. Because someone remarks about Elrond being there, and they say that was an age or more. So. Right. A long right. time. A long time, a long exactly. Time. Yeah. And, well, and also, Jackson so anyway, doesn't I, actually deal with the when Gandalf came over thing. You know, that's a, no, we know that from the, that's from the books, but he never but, says But that. another thing, I'm always looking for a little nod to Tom Bombadil. And, <laughs> you know, Tom Bombadil says, I remember when, you know, when when the Witch King ruled the... Oh, yeah, know, interesting. So thinking, Ooh, you so know... The dialogue similarities there. Tiny huh? little nod to Tom yeah. Bombadil. Well, interesting. I, I'm sure that's what Serena would say is crit fit. <laughs> <laughs> now, is the second interesting <laughs> so point to you, Corey, the bit he talks about Saruman, when he says, you know, Saruman says we should not worry and... And he says, what does Gandalf the Grey say? There's no answer. And he, yeah. and he doesn't answer. Yeah, that was really cool. But the other thing yeah. that I think that it does, the other thing that I really liked about that sequence is um, that he, it also sets up, I mean, I, I've said this before, one of my biggest objections to the theatrical release of The Desolation of Smaug was the graves of the the Nazgul thing, especially since we had so much buildup over that. I mean, Dave, you and I remember when that yeah. n- when that news broke originally, and we were like, "Emergency episode, right? Oh, the Nazgul in the and and then it didn't come, and it didn't come, and then it was like irrelevant, you yeah. know, when it finally happened. In the in finally, that scene actually it doesn't entirely justify it, but at least segues into it. You know, it at least explains. You know, all of a sudden Gandalf pops up on them, and it's like, why is he at this mountain? What, where is he, and what is he doing? Uh, in the film, in the theatrical release, it was completely puzzling. Right. This conversation like with Bjorn, and he sets up. You know, is it true that there are tombs there? And it's been said that the dead walk. And Gandalf's like, whoa! And then he has that sort of flashback to Galadriel saying in the previous movie that they bury them there. So of course, you know. So again, it's sort of all right. Well, Galadriel mentioned that that was relevant there, and oh, I hear that the dead are walking. I better investigate this. At least I was prepared for him to go there, and I felt there was a reason for it to happen. So that alone seemed to me like a really good uh, thing. I also loved the um, kind of veiled thing about that Bayorn says, you know, that he could bring the dead back to life. Yes. And then, you know, mm-hmm. but there's no, there hasn't been a connection made yet to the necromancer out loud, 
you know, I just thought that was an interesting, right. especially given the, you know, what we've talked about in the past about the necromancer and, you know, mm-hmm. borks and whatnot. Yeah, and it's, you know, that in itself, well, I mean, it's so funny because, you know, on the one hand, you want to say, you know, I want to say, yeah, like that business about raising the dead, I mean, you know, we get it in the conversation between Saruman and uh, Gandalf in the White Council scene in in Unexpected Journey, right, you know, where uh, Saruman's like, that's not possible, nobody can raise the dead, Um, and uh, and then it comes up again here, and it's like, no, he's the necromancer. He's not just a necromancer. He's the necromancer. And, like, he's not what he appears, as Bjorn says. Okay, but um, it still seems like raising the dead, like, isn't that kind of... I mean, of course, like, any kind of Tolkien purist in me is, like, immediately at war with itself, yes, right? Because, exactly. like, yeah. one Tolkien purist's reaction is... That's totally getting the ring rates wrong, right? The yeah. ring rates are not just like resurrected walking bodies, dead. You know, they're, they're not the walking dead. It's, it's they're not dead. That's the whole point. You're missing the point about the ring rates. But then the other part of the tourism, he says, "Well, dude, the necromancer thing is Tolkien's fault." I mean, yeah, 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 that's true. That says he's the necromancer. Like, at what point does he start necromancing? Sauron? Does this Sauron ever do any necromancing? Like, why is he called that in the Hobbit? You know, yeah. <laughs> So it's like, it's, you know, I mean, if you're going to point the finger at somebody, Tolkien's got to take some of the blame for that one. You know, it's like, it's, it's these, almost, yeah. Tol- Isn't that, on exactly. Exactly. Isn't that a popular term, though, in the 30s? Necromancer? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a, gen- I mean, it, it can be used somewhat like, I mean, people do seem to sometimes use it kind of generically, you know, like not necessarily, because I mean, the literal meaning of it is like somebody who gains information, you know, by talking to the dead is like the literal meaning of what a necromancer is. And so sure, sometimes that, that thing, that title can be sort of thrown around, um, the problem, of course, this is just another one of those places where it comes back to The Hobbit not being fully consistent, not just inconsistent with The Lord of the Rings, but not even really fully consistent with itself in the sense of being like fully realized and thought through. You know, I mean, like the Necromancer is clearly on the fringes of that story. And yes, like if you, you know, if you know the history of The Hobbit, you know, the, you know and you, you, know, you read the early Legendarium stuff, you know the roots of that and you know, that, that the connection to Sauron, that it really was Sauron all along and Tolkien's mind and all that stuff. Sure, but it doesn't change the fact that, you know, the necromancer in The Hobbit is not at all a well-rounded character. And you'll notice the whole necromancer business gets dropped as soon as we get to the Lord of the Rings. You know, it's, there's, it doesn't, we, we, he doesn't come back to that term anywhere else. So it seems pretty clear that when he fully integrated that character, he just quietly put the necromancer label aside, uh, presumably for reasons just like this. I mean, uh, uh, they didn't want to do the, the dead people. Are you looking at your, at your visual there? I mean, I'm are looking, we, I was, sorry, I was, oh, I was okay. looking at the, I was, I was looking at the comments there. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. By the way, the yeah. question box is totally not working for me. It's completely blank, which I know is implausible. That happened to me <laughs> yes. one. Yeah. That happened yeah. to me one. So weird. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, mine is definitely not blank. It's kind of unnerving. It's, is there anyone out there? <laughs> as, as mine has been going on already for like four hours, it's, it's definitely not empty. So, 
Brian Yoder just said hello to you, Dave. So in case yes. you missed it, there you go. Jeremy I says we are here. Hello, Dave. Yeah. We are here. Chris Miller says. Oh, and by the way, Tom <laughs> Hillman has again. answered the question. We do get a reference to the ah. time. Elrond says it. Remember, Elrond says, I was there 3,000 years, years ah, ago. Ah, there you go. Was, oh, 3,000 yeah. years ago. That's right. That's yeah. Right. So he does place wow. the Battle of the Last Alliance historically at the same gap that it is in the books. Seems, that makes seems so unlikely Payhorn is that old. Really? That is kind it of does. Especially it, since that? we know by the time of the Lord of the Rings, isn't he dead? Yeah, he's died of old age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so this, so we're looking at, we're looking at like, we're looking at like elderly Bayorn. He's on his way out. Exactly. If he's been alive for at least three thousand years and he's only got sixty left, this is like the tale. He's dead. He's done. He's pretty right. spry for like. <laughs> Yes, Bjorn is just limping his way <laughs> through. Yeah, yeah. this is what happens when you do the math in this in this film series. Mm -hmm. Well, though, I wonder also. You know, I wonder if the, um, you know, his reference to remembering. I mean, is that need we take that literally? That is that he remember. You know, that is that he retains oh. in his memory. You know, stories of the time when yes. he recalls that this. You know, not that I personally recall. Like, oh, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it seems I'm trying to think of other people who talk that way, but I don't know. Yeah, his character is so. Well, you're right. I mean, I mean, or maybe he's not talking about. Oh. Sorry, Trish. Go ahead. <laughs> well, he just in so many ways. I think there's some other pieces of this extended edition too, where there's like this vague. Jackson kind of leaves it so that there's room for interpretation mm -hmm. and disagreement about what's meant. You know, he doesn't explain stuff, and this is a—I think this is an example of that. Right. Um, or, or he's, um, or he's just doing something that, you know, in 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 the in the terms of the film sort of pacing and story, like it's kind of cool to have him say, you know, like because this whole conversation is about him pushing Gandalf in the direction of like, don't ignore this necromancer guy; he's probably Sauron. Um, and, and so it makes it a little more convincing if he says, I remember, you know, when there was a dark power ruling here, just like this one, you remember that too, Gandalf? Yeah. Yeah. You know who that was. Yeah. Um, but, but then maybe when they go back through an editing, they realize like, you know, this makes no sense. What are we doing? Um, <laughs> although certainly they've been perfectly fine with not cutting out other things that don't make any sense. So. <laughs> uh, and if we want to try and if we want to try and bend this thing backwards so so it makes sense, maybe he's not talking specifically about Sauron. Maybe he's just talking about I remember when there were bad guys in power in the north before, like the Witch King over you know over there. Maybe it's the Witch King. Yeah, yeah maybe it's yeah, about the Witch King. A few miles down the road. In right. Yeah. 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 Or, or yeah. The, the Goblin King. I remember, yeah, I remember when a dark power ruled these lands. Well, not these lands. Days ago. The, over there, <laughs> not these lands, and not that power. It wasn't that, that dark, really, but it was like a little bit dark, yeah. and it was somewhat near to here. So I've heard rumors <laughs> about sometimes when people ruled places kind of like this that weren't. I yeah. mean, it, it gets pretty weird. Oh, maybe he was talking about Morgoth. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah he's 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 first in his style. Or or maybe Baron is just prone to exaggeration. He's just talking about a really bad neighbor. They used to own this property <laughs> exactly. until Bayorn like bought it off him. <laughs> I 
was thinking he didn't mention Morgoth. If it's Morgoth he's talking about, for copyright reasons, I cannot say the name. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah. remember a time when... <laughs> Yeah, I remember like, yeah, when there was a dark power here. You, you know who I'm talking about. Can't say the name. Yeah, hint, hint, wink, wink. Kind of like those blue wizards. Care. <laughs> does Does Morgoth's name appear anywhere in the Lord of the Rings or the appendices? In the appendices, surely it does. Yes. Um... It's got uh, to in it's got to in the in Balrog the... of Morgoth. Oh, they do call the Balrog, Balrog of Morgoth. There you go. Balrog there you go, Laura. I think Chris said the same I thought thing. So. so, see, they can use the name. They can use the name. Flame of Udun. Yes. Yep. Yep. There you go. No problems. That's justification <laughs> right there. That is interesting, huh? I know. Oh, I right. never like, thought of that until now. And you know why I know that is because they say that in Lotro, and they don't have the rights to Silmarillion. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Lord of the Rings. Yes, and actually, the 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 Lotro people are like ten times as cautious about this. As They're Peter like Jackson. super oh, yeah. paranoid, super cautious. Yeah, that was one of the conversations I had with them when I was down yep. visiting the people at Turbine, and uh, and they were because like they have the rights to the yeah, text, but yeah. they won't even quote the text. Like they try to minimize the amount of text that they use. Uh, uh, you know the direct, direct wow. quotation from the text, even though like theoretically they could, but they they try, they try not to, just because they don't they don't want to they don't want to stir the bees. There's one scene that I participated in that was straight out of the book, you know, just when the company leaves Rivendell to to go and Bor- Boromir sounds his horn. But now that you mention it, what Elrond actually says in the game is similar. Yeah, it's like a paraphrase. If you'll notice, exactly, yeah. yep. all no, the dialogue, they, all the text is. Is Paraphrase. similar to the book, but it's not exactly. But it's not the, the same. exact. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite. Well, we're, we're digressing. Into <laughs> that'll be enough. Yeah. That's another time. Let's just yeah, talk about our favorite things in Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go completely off track. <laughs> What's your favorite chapter of the Lord of the Rings, Trish? Oh yeah, we do have a voice tag to talk about. Okay, okay. So, um, so I, I do, I do have a favorite thing that was not in the Fellowship of the Ring. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. The Return of the King. I just was thinking this. Right. When when Sam is in Mordor, yeah. And as Corey knows, the walk to Mordor is one of my favorite parts. That's of right. The Return That's of the right. King. When Sam sees the star in the sky and yes. says, uh, "You know, evil cannot cannot win forever." You yep. know, he sees this this beautiful star. I love that, and that was not in the Return of the King, so that makes that movie a failure. <laughs> it does. The most brutal <laughs> review I've ever heard. The theme <laughs> of good and that's a big theme in that book, and they just okay. I just had to get I that agree. off my chest. They 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 almost completely whiff on the theme of hope in the Return of the King. It's True. one of the things that I and keep thinking of. It's biggest, the more. I, yeah, the more I the more I I rewatch the Hobbit movies, the more, uh, you know, the more uh, I, I find them really thematically, you know, uh, in line with a lot of the things Tolkien was interested in, and I find the reverse to be true of the Lord of the Rings films. Um, you know, the more time goes by, the less I, I, I like actually them in that way. I actually have to go on record as saying I like the Hobbit films more than I liked. I liked the Fellowship of the Ring, but the rest I I didn't like as much. I thought they strayed too far from the intent. And the the deeper themes of the book, um, whereas the Hobbit book is, you know, it's easier because it's more of a children's book. But 
I just think they've they've done a better job with character development. Carol, and Carol um, Michael has, has asked a very important question. How do you tell when you are digressing? He's asking this of the Riddles in the Dark team. <laughs> We're never digressing. No. We're talking about Tolkien, aren't we? No. If we start talking about Harry Potter, then we're digressing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or, 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 we do that too, actually. Yeah, no. Yeah. no, that's normal. That's, 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 that's perfectly fine. Digression. Yeah, that's perfectly, that's perfectly fine. Especially for one big digression. Especially for yeah. bashing J.K. Rowling. <laughs> oh come on! That's right. I'm not bashing. I'm not bashing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you get to that, you gotta you gotta bash J. R. Martin too, or whatever his name is. Throwing under the bus. (laughs) George Martin. Okay, I guess most people wouldn't view what I was saying as defending her. In my mind, I was, but I, I, you know, that's fine. You were you were trying to you were trying to you're trying to defend her in the sense of you're trying to defend her from herself. You don't have to convince us. You had it planned all ahead of time. You were damning her with faint praise. (laughs) it's okay it's 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 fine it's okay all Um, right do we do we have a so let's see what were we watching tonight (laughs) i'm sorry i apologize for my system being all wonk my system is failing me here today uh i I have, I have, I have my 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 video file which is converting, and it's been at like ninety nine percent for like twenty minutes now. Ah, okay. uh, so where I any at, at at any moment I expect that to be complete. Um, but actually, you know, in many ways, uh, in fact, really probably not looking uh, uh, seen uh, frame by frame through all twenty seven minutes is probably the only thing that's going to save us from doing a thirty hour episode on this. Um, so I think perhaps actually keeping it bigger picture uh, is probably, probably a good a thing, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk next about the Merkwood sequence. All right. Um, so we've got, we've got here, well, it's one big contiguous scene, um, which is the end. Uh, Corey, uh, um, do you want to just, uh, for, for any people we have on live right now, or viewer, or people listening later, do you want to give them the timestamps in the? That's just what I was going to do. Okay. Absolutely, yeah. yeah sorry. Um, so if if you if you're wanting to look through the the Bjorn scenes, the queer lodging scene, the one that we all pretty much dislike, um, it starts at 15 minutes 55 seconds in the main video, um, and it's five minutes long, which is a little bit painful. Um, the conversation with between Bjorn and Gandalf, which by contrast we were praising, uh, starts at timestamp 23:20. Uh, in the primary movie. Now, I'm taking all these timestamps from the... I was doing the iTunes one. I hope it's more or less similar to the, uh, uh, to the, to the discs. It should be roughly um, the same. I think so. Um, so the, the, the Merkwood stuff starts at timestamp 30 minutes and 58 seconds, um, and that's first three minutes of crossing the Enchanted River and Bomber falling in and the White Stag, and then we get two and a half more minutes of them going through Merkwood, and it stops before we get to the spider sequence. Um, I, there's, in my mind, only really one... I mean, we get them... That's where, where we get them carrying Bomber, of course. In my mind, just actually, it's sort of starting with the second scene first because there's less there to talk about. The one thing I think... I mean, most of it is, like, shots of them looking all dazed and dizzy and, and like, feeling lost in getting lost in the woods. The one thing that happened in that scene is the choice to leave the path. And that actually I found added a, a, a bit, because we didn't get that in the theatrical edition. Right. 
mm -hmm. never knew that they left the path. I thought, you know, I, I thought watching the film in the theater that they just were on the path, but still just got bewildered and confused before they end up going, you know, right after the, this, this extended scene, this new scene is the one where, 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 uh, uh, Bofer finds his own tobacco pouch, right? And then they realize they're going around right. in circles, right? That's after, but the choice to leave the path is Thorin's choice. They're mm -hmm. all standing there dazed, and then Thorin looks out and he's like, This way, follow me. And all the dwarves do, and Bilbo's standing there on the path saying, Wait, but we're, Gandalf said we're supposed to, and, and Thorin says, I don't care, you know, we're going this way. So that that choice to leave the path and that it was Thorin's choice it seemed to me that seemed to me a really important um, element they're a really important foreshadowing I think especially in the way in which it seems to me to prefigure uh, the the Thorin dragon sickness stuff that we get you know that we already start getting at the end of the desolation of Smaug in which it seems certainly <clears throat> according to the recently released and not yet discussed trailer um, <laughs> that we're going to have uh, we're, we're, we're gonna get much more of from Thorin um, and that is him you know so we have Thorin in this like magically this altered state you know under magical influence um making a really bad choice and leading people in a disastrous direction against the advice of gandalf and the insistence of bilbo kim, no. kim wehrmeister says let's not forget he got lost twice on the way to bag end trying to find the biggest hill in the shire top by the <laughs> <laughs> this is obviously the guy you want to, uh, to to be your navigator anyway, right? So, so yeah, when he says he's just pretty sure of the way to the other other side, you should uh, yeah, you should definitely do that. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I thought that that moment, the way the way in which the, you know the, there's a very there's that very particular point at which Thorin says, "Let's leave the path." I thought it was really, but in fact, really, almost everything in the Mirkwood sequence, I thought what was most what was most interesting and important about that content was all of the way in which it sets up. We see, I think, in both parts of it, both the, the river crossing and the way to cross, we see anticipations of Thorin. It's kind of like right. the warning bell for Thorin in so some ways. Which parts which of the river when, crossing I mean, I would you say that about? Said, in the theatrical, I wasn't, did, I said, didn't I, that I just didn't get him being that crazy in the theatrical right. version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now you can begin to see it. Yes. The White Stag is another one where he's saying exactly. with her own luck and, you know, having his own, like, we're going to do it my way right. thing. We make our own luck. And that's the moment when Bomber falls into the into the lake, or in, right. into the river, right? Um, right? Yeah, exactly. Dave, that, that's, that's my answer to the question. Okay. It's the white stag. It's the white stag. That I thought was really fascinatingly done. The first time I watched that scene, I was just really confused. Um, I was like, who is that stag? Thorin missed the stag? And what comes of that, and I'm not really sure, but the second and third time I watched it, I, I, it, it made a little bit more sense to me. Um, the look on Thorin's face was the main thing. Like, when you look, you know, Thorin is not, Thorin is not thinking venison when he is looking, when he is shooting at the white stack. Thorin in the book is thinking venison, and that's why everyone's cheering. Mm -hmm. They're like, hooray! And the only sad thing is they can't get back across the river to claim the venison. Right. So it's, they're all thinking of, they're, they're thinking like dwarves on the verge of starvation. That's why he shoots him. That's the. That's not why he shot at that deer, in the film, um, nor is it why it was a big deal that he shot at it. The look on his face—that was his. 
like I'm thinking of Thranduil and the Wood Elves expression that hmm. he had on his face when he shot at the deer. Um, and I thought that was one of the really interesting things about it. <clears throat> so the river, of course, and we talked about this, we speculated about this a long time ago. Um, when we first saw... Um, when we but first I just saw... wanted to say one thing yeah. about there was yeah, no yeah. elven yeah. hunt. There was no elven hunting party like right. in this right. book. Right. Right. There was just right. the stag. It actually crossed my mind to wonder if Peter Jackson was going to try to imply that the stag was actually Thranduil, but then he didn't put eyebrows on the stag. So So it's obviously <laughs> right. not him. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, the eyebrows were not nearly <clears throat> sufficient. But um but anyway, yeah, I so I I, rem- I remember when we <laughs> Look at it, Dave. Dave's sleeve. Yeah. Close up of Dave's sleeve. <laughs> when we first had, when we first got this stuff, remember when we, uh, guys, when we first got that 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 still shot of the dwarves carrying Bomber and how flabbergasted we were by that? Right. <clears throat> because before that, we'd been saying, well, obviously they're going to cut, the, they're not going to do the Enchanted River. Right. I mean, clearly, if you're going to cut something, you're going to cut that, right? I mean, that wasn't even organically part of the story. Tolkien went back in and added that in after the fact, you know? So, um, Anyway, so it was like, okay, obviously that's really easy to cut. And then we saw them carrying the comatose bomber, and we're like, holy cow, they're going to do it, I guess. Um, and But remember, we, 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 we nailed this, I think, when we were talking about it before and thinking, how are they going to make the Enchanted River fit in with the rest of what right. they're doing in Mirkwood? And what we were saying was, it seems like the likeliest outcome is that instead of having the river be as in the book, a, a like elf magic thing, Right. I mean, it's sort of associated with just right. it's part of that elven fairy other land stuff that we get in Rookwood, yeah. right? Right. Um, there's no evidence that the that the, the the river is evil or corruptive in any sense. So we were saying, all right, probably what they're going to do is they're going to make the river be connected with the whole evil influence right. of Rookwood. Right. And we nailed that. That's exactly yeah. what they did with yep. the river, right? But they didn't entirely pitch the whole elvish magic fairyland thing, that's the white stag. The white stag, you know, so we get this glowing, you know, luminous white stag coming out of nowhere, which is like definitely a sort of like a fairy tale moment, right? Um, and then, and Thorin seeing it, you know, puts on his I hate elves face and shoots at it. And Bilbo's like, I don't think you should have done that, you know. Uh, and and you know, it's not lucky. Um, anyway, I, I just I, I I thought. So, Dave, that's my moment. I think where we get the anticipation. We see both okay. Thorin's antici- Thorin's antipathy to all things elvish, even something which seems mm-hmm. nice, even I mean, just something weirdly magical, kind of like yeah, that white yeah. elf. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I just like I just like <laughs> Thorin's I hate elves face. Yeah, like, but you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you know, he's got that face that he pulls whenever like Thranduil's name is mentioned. That's right? true. He does. He does. <laughs> well, we aren't here all night just for you guys to have fun. You know, we're here to raise some serious dough, and uh, we have uh, we have our on the hour uh, we have our on the hour drawing to do. And to remind people to uh, to send cash now, one family, four members of one family have all donated. Uh, oh my wow! So and so now that oh, that's is, smart. So four chances to win. Very smart. That's that's a smart uh, smart thing to do. So um, 
if we can do our drawings, we'll start with the Tolkien Society membership. Is that uh, is that what we're doing? I'm gonna get this. I was I was I was just checking to see if I was guessing the family correctly, and I was. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here we go with the Tolkien Society membership. We have Richard Barton. Ah, there. Then there. Don't no, see. They did it. One out of four. <laughs> They did. They knew the, uh, they knew the uh, thing. And Very then good. we're going to do Lonely Mountain. And Lonely Mountain is going to be uh, Julia Wood. Julia Wood lit right. Lonely Mountain. Lonely Mountain music. Excellent. That is some great music. Yep. Yeah, I have one of their albums. Uh, or maybe two, actually. I think I have two other albums. And anybody that's listened to any of Riddles in the Dark will be familiar with at least yep. pieces of the Lonely Mountain Band. Yep. Yep. Now, do we have uh, an Alora's volume for this hour, uh, Trish? Um, it will be, um, actually, let's see. Let me look here. I don't have a particular one assigned, but, oh, I don't have it up. Darn it. Um, I can't remember which. One of the other ones. One of the, not The Hobbit, not The Inklings, and not the first issue. <laughs> Um, I can't remember what the other two are, unfortunately, and I don't have them up. One of the other ones. That's, that's, one of the other ones. That's definitely yeah. a third prize. One of the uh, other ones. It's <laughs> terrible. It's terrible. I had them up here. Hold well, on. It's like, sure to be good. <laughs> okay. and, that's good. Uh, and uh, again, we get repeating, uh, repeating people, so we're going to try and do someone other than repeating. My goodness, I wish I had this luck at the casino. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. Brent Sprinkle. All Brent right. Sprinkle. All right. All right. Dolores, one of the other ones. <laughs> By the right. way, I, Jeff Murray is a prominent artist in Silver Leaves also, and those of yes. you who were at Mythbit will remember mm -hmm. Jeff from um, – yeah, and I, well, I'll I, – I don't have it here, so I will see if I can rectify this by the time you come back, Ed. Okay, so let's um, – uh, we have one more set of gifts, so I guess that's going to be at the end, which I dare say will not be at 10 o'clock, given that you've gotten one <laughs> one billion into No, 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 no. We've got four through. out of 13. We're, we're doing well. <laughs> we are on a roll. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you could still All come right. back at the top of the hour, and then when we finish, finish, we can do the grand prize. All right. We're up at $37,229, and we've raised $4,633 during the webinar. Awesome. Yeah. The good news here, Ed, is that um, the way Riddles in the Dark works, you're going to get to do several top of the hour. You're going to get to do at least probably another half a dozen top of the hour updates. <laughs> Yeah, it's too bad we didn't do it last weekend so that we could have gained the hour, right? That's, <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Oh! That's true. That's, true. Uh, yeah, that's right. dangerous. Yeah, on daylight savings time change. Yeah, but yeah you know, you are going to have to wait until we finish because we don't want anybody to lose out on the opportunity to be eligible for the drawing. So. Yes, that's uh, right. So, uh, I will leave you and uh, continue on with your spirited, if somewhat disorganized, conversation. <laughs> 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 Excellent. Okay. Um, so anyway, as I said, to wrap up the, 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 the Merkwood comments, I do think that it's interesting to see how they embedded um, with Thorin kind of that, that having one of those central moments there. And we can see both of the two things 
which are going to cause Thorin problems. Right? You know, we see this kind of microcosm of what's going to be happening in Thorin's character. We see him and his irrational antipathy to all things Elvish, and we see him and his uh, and you know him making poor judgments and leading people in a bad direction under the influence of some kind of mind-altering magical uh, influence. So that's, you know, both of those things, you know, clearly anticipating what, what's going to come. So mm-hmm. I thought that, and that Bilbo, was And Bilbo being the most level-headed of the party. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And we see that, you know, and, and we see in, in both in both cases. And, of course, the, the final, um, you know, the, the, that juxtaposition you know was was really pointed and really fun um that is the you know bilbo saying you shouldn't have done that you know it's not it's not lucky um but then you know as soon as thorin says we make our own luck bomber falls into the water uh, and yeah. and that you know to show i mean there's no clearer way to say and Thorin is wrong about this <laughs> you know <laughs> note uh thorin is good luck Yes, this is not this is this is not in fact a good thing that Thorin is saying and that Thorin is doing. So, um, I think that that's uh, <clears throat> um, that's that's interesting the the way that they did those two things. Now that my complaint my complaint about the Merkwood stuff is that we didn't get a third scene. Bomber hmm. never wakes up. That's true. Bomber never wakes up. He's just awake when they're fighting yeah. spiders miraculously. They didn't do a scene with they him never. waking up. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, unless they did, and it didn't even make the extended edition. Right, right. In which yeah. case, I have some suggestions of how they could have reprioritized perhaps <laughs> their scenes. But, um, I... <laughs> well, we know there's scenes that haven't made it to the extended edition. I mean, there's remember all that press about the um, Bayorn torturing an orc. I think we're going to see that still. That's I think it's going to be in film three. Think it's going to be in film three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think That's Bjorn is going to be if if Bjorn is not going to be in on the Dol Guldur stuff, I think he's going to be anticipating it. I I, I do I do think my so theory. Holding scene, I'm holding out. Scene, but yeah, I think because I think we're going to get that scene as a transition. Transition is not the right word. Reminder of Bjorn, maybe, because if we don't get Bjorn until the Battle of Five Armies. I mean, right. how many of you are going to have got, forgotten completely about his existence? That's a lot yeah. of movie time since we last right. saw that guy chopping wood. So, you know, I... I... That's true. Now, the I did say I he was going to be at the Battle of Dol Guldur. Yeah, I do That's I right. Did. She yep. stuck to her guns. The now, other not... scene that I know they left out was in the... Because Jackson showed it in one of his v- vlogs, was the one on the boat with Bard where... Uh, Bilbo saying, you know, my whoever told me never go east, or, and you know they were right. That never showed up. I was expecting right. that to be in the mm-hmm. extended edition. It wasn't either. So right. anyway, so huh. I figure there's going to be yet another version of these movies. An come extended, out. extended. It'll come out ten years from cut. now. Ten years from now, we're going to end up with like you know, or they'll do it on like HBO, like they're doing Game of Thrones in in, in series, you know, for. Because that is true. They have said there's Lord of the Rings stuff we still haven't seen. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Who knows? Like, well, what are they saving it for? I mean, like the 25th <laughs> anniversary edition, maybe? I don't know. Um, yeah. 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 <clears throat> the miniseries. Well, right. Exactly. Um, well, I think uh, the... Well, the- 
the Merkwood. Well, speaking of miniseries, not to move on. I have a, a thing about the Merkwood. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You did mention in the debate with Serena that your favorite adaptation is the Pride and Prejudice BBC miniseries. Yeah, it's one of my very favorites. Which, yeah. That when I think of my favorite ad adaptation, that comes to mind too. I also <laughs> want to point out that's a very long adaptation of a very slender book. Just like the Hobbit movies. The Pride and Prejudice? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. I don't hear anybody yeah. complaining about the fact that they took six hours to do Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Which, and that's, um, that's not a very long book. Which which one yeah. is this? The or, Colin Firth Pride and uh, Prejudice. Oh, Colin Firth. Yes, yeah. that, is, that one is yeah. really good. It's fantastic. Yeah. I also like it's, the it's, 1980s one, too. Mm, not so much. <sighs> I don't like that one as much, mostly because Darcy is like, I, I, Darcy just makes me laugh in that one. He's always like super stiff in the expression on his face. Like it, it always makes like if if I were to put like a balloon above the 1980s Darcy head, it would be it would be, I think I'm just going to take a bite out of you now. I mean, he looks like Dracula. I mean, he looks like. Well, I'll tell you who looked that way was, was Lawrence Olivier when he played Darcy in the group. Yeah. Darcy. I think it was yeah. Darcy. No, it's just. No, Colin Firth really nailed it. I'm sorry, Colin Firth totally nailed Mr. Darcy. Yeah. In, in, yeah. Both, in both that it and just in not Bridget bother doing anymore. He nailed it in Bridget Jones' Diary as well. Yeah, 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 he did, actually. Yeah. Sir, um, now, back to Merkwood. <laughs> um, Merkwood. I wanted that was to say a digression. About yeah. um, it, it's interesting because that whole scene where they're disoriented and stuff, in the theatrical version, I'm like, you know, they really didn't have enough of it to really explain what was going on. And in the extended, they have way too much. Right. It's like there's, you know, there was no, there should have been a happy medium. Although I will say, I finally did get to hear Adderkop. You know, everybody was saying in the in the subtitles right. it said Adderkop when he when he flicked the string. Well, we had to finally, listen to it a half a dozen times. Hear it. <laughs> yeah. No, I heard it. I heard it the first time. You can hear it. You can hear yeah, it in the movie. You can. You can. Yeah, and and the spiders, and he doesn't. Now, by the way, in I cannot remember in the theatrical version, doesn't he come down from the tree and they're not there? Doesn't he come down from, like, after yes. he climbs the tree and he yes. comes down, they're he not there? The and the I didn't get that sense that that happens. Butterflies. The, yeah, he sees the butterflies. He comes back mm -hmm. down, they're not there, right? Yeah. Oh, he falls. No, he falls down. That, he falls. That scene right. is the same. The, I don't think same? they changed okay. that from the theatrical okay. version. Yeah. I think that was the same. Okay. Um, okay. But... Uh, I know D-May. D-May says he needs a headset and glasses. You're out of style. Look at the three of us. We are trendsetters. We're cool. It's true. It's true. <laughs> there are actually several points in my life where I wished I wore glasses, but I don't. I yeah, you'd have just, to. You've got the eyebrow thing and the glasses. You could look I've over got, your, your I've got – I just have way Excellent. better vision than I deserve. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's, anyway. I, I, yeah. Um, Lake Town. Okay, so Lake Town is the next place where we get, and and this is, I mean, <clears throat> that's noteworthy. So timestamps, like I said, the the Merkwood stuff starts at timestamp thirty minutes and fifty eight seconds. The first of the Lake Town extra scenes is at one hour and twenty six minutes. It's been almost a full hour of movie time with no extended scenes. So that whole mm -hmm. the spider sequence, the the whole. <clears throat> um, the whole uh, 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 Merkwood realm, you know, the, uh, everything um, in Thranduil's kingdom uh, and the barrel chase, none of that. So believe it or not, there there aren't, there isn't more footage wow, for nothing. the barrel 
sequence. Yeah, there's no. There's not, I was, yeah, believe it or not, no more improbable action sequences were cut from that sequence. So, but like, anyhow, didn't do any more of, of bobbling on people's heads? And... No, no, which is, which is really a shame. But anyhow, yeah. um, I, really. when we get to Lake Town, we get several other things. Um, and I find the, these things, these are my late, my least, as a group, these are my least favorite of the extended scenes. We get three, yeah, these are well, four boring. scenes in Lake Town, but one I want to talk about separately, and it's, it's incredibly short. And the, the, the incredibly short one is the only one that I really like. The first one is, uh, is we get more egregiously disgusting Master of Lake Town footage. Yeah. Um, Appended to the beginning with that that first scene where we get him first like getting out of bed, calling for brandy and complaining about his gout. Like that was enough for me. I was sold on how stupid and disgusting the master is. But then after that, we get Alfred coming to him, you know, with like disgusting food, which he eats disgustingly. Well, and, and the play on words was ridiculous. What does he finishes? Yeah. You know, bollocks. Bollocks. I'm like, yes. oh please. Yes. I, don't, I don't know. No, it was it was totally I yeah I was not a fan of that scene and what yes, much what Chris. what was more it didn't add anything that was again that was one of the ones you know Dave when I, that's the scene I was thinking of when I was talking about reprioritizing what they cut um, I that I think would have been, I mean did they put it back in for Stephen Fry's sake so we get more Stephen Fry you know I was thinking just that same thing that was, that's the only redeeming thing <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I don't know, but um, but I found there to be very very little um, added um, by that extra sequence. Right. Um, then the other th- the, the 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 next scene, which is very soon after that. Um, so the timestamp for again for the the master eating disgusting food is one hour twenty six minutes and forty four seconds. I do actually have a. P- I think it was in that master eating scene. Wasn't that the scene also where Alfred? He goes, surely there's a law on the books about yes. blah blah, and Alfred yes. says, I'll go write it. Yeah, he says, yeah. I'll that go at it. Was probably the only key part of that was just to show. A little bit more of the corruption. But even yeah. there, the only thing that I get from there is not just the corruption. Um, one of the bigger, the, the bigger picture things that I would say is, about, although I didn't, really none of the Lake Town extra scenes I really liked, but one of the benefits of them is I understand Alfred now uh, a little bit better. Alfred, I in in the theatrical version, I was like, what's he doing? Like, what's the point of Alfred? I didn't get the point of Alfred. I get the point of Alfred now. Because what we see in those scenes more clearly, I think, is the fact that Alfred is... We see more of how Alfred is playing the master and playing his own game. Um, and when we, we could see that in the theatrical release too, but I think we see it a good deal more clearly in... Um, uh, in, oh, yeah, in, in these other that. sequences. Yeah, clearly, and yeah. I began to see at least what seems to me to be the logical endpoint of, uh, of, of this trajectory. I now, based on the extended edition scenes, I now have a firm prediction for what's going to happen with Alfred and the Master at the end. Really? That, That's... Yeah. Yeah, clearly. Okay. Um, I suspect that one or, well, one or both of them are going to are are clearly going to kill each other. What we're getting set up there for is the divisiveness mm. of dragon sickness and how they're, ah. they're you know some so wealth is going to come down and I suspect it's going to be in the denouement. It's going to be after the battle and like while everybody else is having a happy ending and we're going to have either Alfred killing them. Possibly they will kill each other. Um, or I'd love to have them kill each other in like a, a really nice <laughs> like partner's tale kind of sense. Oh, you know, right. like a, 
go out in a boat and one will pull the other in or something or like something that. Oh, yeah, that, oh man if they're on a boat with their treasure yeah exactly something yeah. like that right I, I think i basically the way in which they're you know they're going to be divided you know the 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 fact that the, both of them only value because both of them are in a sense um embodying really one of the two major aspects of dragon sickness that is the the, the, the two things that you see in dragon sickness are a, a, a you know the focus on money at you know at the to the exclusion of other things especially people but the second is the turning inward towards the self and against others you know the dragon sickness is the is the, is isolating and it is right. um, it is you know sort of anti fellowship and camaraderie and all that right. stuff um, and the master is already turned inward. I mean, like the guy with the huge portrait of himself in his own bedroom, right? You right. know, he's already completely self inwardly focused. And Alfred, who is manifestly, more manifestly from the extended scenes, scheming towards getting money for himself. Right. That scene, right. which is in the in the third extra scene, I think, in Lake Town, um, where we we see the master sitting at his table with his golden. Uh, with his his pile of gold in front of him and you know weighing it out and Alfred makes a makes a, a reference to how people are envious because uh, because he has wealth and it, it's clear that that's what Alfred is that's that's what Alfred is going for so um, so I do think that um, you know we see the two of them already set up for dragon sickness and I think that that's where they're yeah. going to be yeah. they're going to be going for Chris Miller's wondering if if they if they're if they're in a boat like that are they going to drag Frodo's parents down with them. <laughs> Uh, or, because uh, of course that's how Frodo's parents were said to have died. That he pushed her in and she pulled him in afterwards. Yeah. Is, is Chris that's Miller's a nice little nod. The other piece that I'm not sure. I mean, it was interesting, but I don't. I mean, I understand now why it wasn't in the theatrical uh, selection. I don't even know why it's in this. Is the whole bit about hiding the the hiding the uh, dwarves, and you know they knock the guard out and all of that stuff, and they you know cover him up and hide him from the. I mean, that was kind of like. Okay, I don't really know how that affects anything. Right, right, right. Oh, well, it it kind of shows how they're all sort of on Bard's side. Oh, I can yeah. kind yeah. of. Yeah. That's exactly. true. That's true. Part of it. Yeah, that's that what I thought was really yeah. was 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 best. That was actually the scene of 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 the new Lake Town scenes um, that don't involve Bilbo. That was the one that I that I really liked best because it did show something. What it does show that's is. True. Bard, the kind of the kind of solidarity that the people have with Bard, because see, Bard is in a really interesting right. position. On the one hand, he's like the voice of the people, right? He's, you know, that's what the 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 you know Alfred is is mocking him for at the beginning. You know that he's the you know, at the beginning of of his entrance anyway. Um, you know that he's the champion of the people and everything, um, but he's also. When it comes, you know, when it comes to the time for the great gathering and everything, he's also the grim-voiced bard from the book, you know, who comes that's in. True. And, and that was that—that's one of my favorite moments in the film. Actually, my favorite, like, you know, book popping up is when everyone's cheering and, and clapping, and then you just hear Bard's voice saying "Death." <laughs> it's like <laughs> this grim-voiced bard. He's like, "Death, death is all that it will bring us." And, and it's like that was good. That was that's excellent. So we see, you know, so we can see the people torn. Like that, we see their, you know, right. we see their respect for him. But see, actually, again, I think they're 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 being more. 
uh, farsighted in their depiction of Bard in mm-hmm. setting up the character of Bard than Tolkien was for the very good reason that Tolkien didn't even anticipate the existence of Bard when he was writing most of that same material. So, of course, he was not very farsighted in setting him up. But here, you know, so they have... In the book, we've got suddenly there's this random grim-voiced guy who doesn't even have a name at first, and then he's the guy who is brave and who shoots down the dragon, and that's great. And then all the people acclaim him, and we want him to be king. And, you know, I mean, it's not too hard to understand why. Like, the dude just killed the dragon, and that's pretty cool. Um, but but we don't get... It, but it still, it seems kind of sudden, you know? And when the mas- remember the master in the book plays on that, right? Mm-hmm. He comes in and he's like, why this sudden deviation in the political policy of Lake Town, right? This is not how we've ever done things. Um, surely you people are being rashed merely to acclaim, um, you know, mere, mere, mere men of action. Um, and uh, whereas in the movie, when the people... I am going to go out on a limb and presume the people are going to be rallying around Bard after the destruction of Eskaroth. You know, that we're going to be getting lots of, you know, up with the bowmen. Um, but when they do that, we will have seen that coming. And yet, despite that, but despite the fact that Bard is the voice of the people and the people love him and trust him, he's the one who's speaking against the whole crowd of people yep. in that confrontation with Thorin. And I thought that that was really interestingly done. I thought that was, I, 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 I thought that that was very well done. So, that's what I liked about that scene, where we see the people covering up the the comatose guards and, uh, and everything. What did you think of the scene where they, um, uh, where the the um, master and Alfred turn away the the dwarves and refuse to help them? Um, kind of more of the same in terms of their selfishness. Yeah, yeah, that was. Um, and let me give the the timestamps here. The Lake Town chase scene, the one where the that we were just talking about with the Lake Town people. Um, uh, concealing them and helping Bard is at one hour and 28 minutes and 54 seconds. Um, the one where they're refusing to help Keeley, um, it's right after the congregation and the confrontation with Thorin, and then Thorin departs in the boat. Um, that's at one hour, 47 minutes, 25 seconds. Um, here, again, I think we more clearly see Alfred's game. We see him manipulating the master. Um, their rejection of aid to Keeley is... You know, I don't know. I mean, I didn't. I didn't think that much was really revealed. That was one that I felt yeah. like you might as well leave that out because it doesn't accomplish anything that isn't already accomplished. It kind of makes some of the things that have already been established more obvious. Established. You know? <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like, oh, big surprise! Alfred and the Master are not really interested in helping the dwarves for their own sake. You know, they're just they're playing their own game and trying to play both sides. Like, what do you know? <laughs> Man, who would have thought yeah. it? You know, uh, so I, yeah. that seemed all pretty obvious, and so therefore I didn't feel it contributed all that much. But um, anyway, so um, so I thought that that was, you know, I was kind of okay with that. My favorite scene, and this, you know, I sort of put in a different category, is the little business they added to the confrontation with Thorn scene, the the one where Bilbo vouches for it. Mm-hmm. That oh, was yeah. the one I found yeah. most interesting. I, it was probably the one. Key. Yeah, that was probably the, of all of the new scenes. That was the one that like got the biggest eyebrow lift from me. I think I was like, "Whoa, that's really cool." Because um, I just the, I mean the the way I mean and it's it's pretty. I mean it's clumsy enough in that like it's like a piece of foreshadowing so huge that it you know I mean it, it's <laughs> you know. 
it's kind of like a mallet to the face, but um, <laughs> but you know a little bit, a little bit. I, I, yeah, see yeah, that? it was. To me, that scene didn't didn't really work because. He says, who's going to vouch for Thorin, Bilbo? Well, they don't know Bilbo. I know. I mean, Bilbo, yeah, yeah, yeah. How can oh, well. Bilbo vouch for Thorin? Yeah. Who's going to vouch for Bilbo? You know? Yeah. Oh, well, if this other guy we don't know, know says you're good for it, well. Right. Yeah. This little <laughs> short dude who's three yeah. feet tall comes and vouches for this other guy. The guy who's four feet tall. Well, yeah. see, the, yeah. the, the, the advantage, And nobody's though. surprised at seeing a hobbit either. No. You know? No. And, and they have never seen a hobbit. Yeah, they totally accept it. They're like, well, <clears throat> he doesn't have a beard and thus must be trustworthy. So we'll accept that. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's that. That's for by the clean shaven guy. So you're fine with us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, you know, uh, clearly planting that that seed of, you know, Bilbo saying if if Thorin Oakenshield gives his word, then he will keep it. Um I mean, you know, like I, I was getting, you know, descendant of rats, uh, you know, echoing through my head, you know, when when uh, when I saw that scene, because it's clear. Um, but it also shows, I mean, it, it answers some of the questions that we got in, um, you know, that, that we had earlier on um, in this season when we were talking about the Arkenstone and how that's going to play out and everything. Um, I felt like that scene to me, really definitively answered the question of, is he going to give the Arkenstone to Thorin? Um, you know, and when we were even talking about that in connection with what we saw in the theatrical Desolation of Smaug, one of the big questions there was, is Bilbo going to withhold, just going to withhold it because he is concerned for Thorin's health and safety? You know, that this is, um, you know, that Smaug has planted that thing of like, uh, you know, I'm tempted just to let you give it to Thorin to see what happens to him and everything. Um, but, you know, the issue that we were raising back then is that, you know, now Bilbo not giving up the Arkenstone, Bilbo concealing the Arkenstone from Thorin, since now recovering the Arkenstone is the whole explicit central point of the plot. I mean, it's the entire, pl it is the plan, right? It's not just part of the plan, it is the plan. And so Bilbo withholding the Arkenstone now in the film is Bilbo single-handedly, personally thwarting the quest. So it's a huge deal. That's still true. But, um, you know, we can see him questioning Thorin. You know, we can see his grounds for questioning Thorin. You know, and, and that seemed, again, what that moment of him vouching for Thorin seemed to be setting up all of the, the doubts and uncertainties and recriminations and, um, and Bilbo being appalled to the point where he's going to decide to go against the whole thing um, uh, really seemed to me to be, um, uh, to be sort of implied in that, in that scene, so... Hmm. All right. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, Brian. I was getting flash forwards in those scenes. So okay. So then I think it's just. Uh, um, it's it's, uh, it's nice for every for every five minutes of useless extra material they've given us. There's like a little slip, you know, a little like clip little of, of something that's like, oh, hey, some character development. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something's actually making going to make sense now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it also makes you mourn, like, that there is there is an extent to which all of the, like, a large amount of the stuff that's been cut is moments like this dialogue that pushes along, like, character development and story. 
<laughs> nothing none of the cut material is is like oh you know what we actually we had 15 minutes of action here and we really only needed 10 let's cut out five minutes of fight scenes or even two because some of the sequences are really short. Sure. i mean yeah. the 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 bilbo vouching for thorin that was less than a minute long i mean yeah. they cut out 41 seconds right. why in order but by to... all means let's have smog chase the dwarfs this way Smog chases the dwarves yes. this way. Smog chases <laughs> right. the dwarves this way. Smog chases the dwarves back over here. There wasn't 41 For seconds of that we could have lost yeah. Yeah, to balance it out. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, you know, same thing with the first movie, too. I mean, you know, there was just there was conversations at the White Council that they cut out and put in the extended edition that were kind of key mm-hmm. conversations, plus the one about mm-hmm. the dragon sickness yeah. that Elrond and Gandalf had. I mean, yes. and they didn't take up that much time. Yes. Yeah. The I, The... the the business with uh, what Smaug says to Bilbo about Thorin and the Arkenstone makes so much more sense if you have oh, that yeah. Elrond and Gandalf mm-hmm. overheard conversation. Mm-hmm. You know exactly. What I mean? exactly. Um, well, and... perhaps they were taking to heart the criticism that that first movie was too slow. <laughs> A lot of people said that it was too slow. They did say that. Yeah. People did say that. Stupid but, uh, the... people. Yeah. <laughs> It's no pleasing people. You yeah, know, yeah, that's what we get. Yeah. We complained yeah. it was too yeah. slow, so they said, all right, fine, we'll cut out all of the the intrigue, character development. Mm-hmm. We're just going mm-hmm. strictly yeah. dragon chase scenes. Yeah. <laughs> and barrel riding. Dragon goes that way, dragon goes that way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and Legolas dwarf head hopping. Right. Right. Critical material. Right. Right. Um... um yeah, go ahead. Uh, I right. was just, uh, I was just wondering. So, are we, are, have we beaten Lake Lake Town to death, or? Uh... I, I think so. I think so. I think we can, we can move. The, the, and the only so. other thing, the only other sequence is, is the Thran. The yeah, and the yeah. Thran, yeah, yeah. The Thran well, stuff seems most that's interesting. That's the stuff that I wish they had left in, because that stuff is, it, it, it the movie, it, everything makes more sense with that stuff in there. You know, it answers a lot of questions. Stuff. The stuff, right? You're talking about, yeah, both, both. And, and what's about interesting too, talks about. Yeah, uh, one of the sequences the... that we haven't talked about is a sequence that's in the movie, but it's different. I mean, it's not. This is not a part that they cut out of the movie, but a part they put in the movie differently than what mm-hmm. we see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're talking about like a doggledore when when. I mean, yeah, actually, yeah. So, do we want to go through these in order? Where he sees Azog and encounters Sauron, all is different. Yeah, that was to me yeah. the fascinating thing was to see not only the bits that they cut out with Fran, but the bits that they where they edited him out. You know, where they totally pulled an Azog on the parapet with Thran. Uh, you know, in the uh, especially mm-hmm. with Gandalf on the bridge confronting Sauron. Um, you know, the fact that they just took the digital eraser and erased Fran, uh, you know, at Gandalf's side. Um, I would love to see, and I haven't seen this, and if anybody, um, if anybody has seen it or, or would make it, I would love to see it, is side-by-side images of Gandalf confronting Sauron on the bridge in the theatrical version and Gandalf conf- with Thran in the, in the extended edition because there's got to be almost the same shot, I think. I mean, because we can see a shot that I mm-hmm. think I remember yeah. from the theatrical. Sure. And, and it's it's the one, it's when Gandalf first throws out his white sphere, right? And the black starts attacking him. 
and in the in the extended edition, it's not just that Thran is there. Gandalf has his arm around him, and he's like hunched yes. over. Yeah. So they must have not only erased Thran, but altered Gandalf in right. order to make it work without him. In the thing, so I would I, I I said I haven't seen that, but if anybody if if, if anybody sees it, um, or think, makes actually, it, I'd love Jackson to see. Jackson would have actually filmed like a version with Thran, a version without him. I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe Brianna can answer that question. If, if I don't know, thing they would have done. Yeah. New standard of new standard of questionable behavior. Dime says is pulled an azog on the parapet. Pulled an azog on the parapet. Pulled an yeah. azog on the parapet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Also, well, no, I'm sorry. That's the. Never mind. I'll wait till Friday. It's about the trailer. It's about the trailer. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, so, so since they took Thryan out of the movie. There was a lot they had to cut out. They had to cut out that part oh, yeah. of Thorin's conversation with Gandalf and Bree. At the beginning, yes. His father. Yes, and, and we Bree get... says Bree says there could there might have been like a scene that they took where Gandalf wasn't touching Thrain, you know, that he right. may have used for the theatrical version. Yeah. Just, well, just... the where Thrain jumps off the balcony or whatever on Gandalf doesn't doesn't Gandalf come and like kind of look up in one scene, but there's nothing there. I remember what, in, in watching the theatrical version because, of course, like Thran jumping off the parapet, we've been seeing since December 2010, right? I mean, like the very first trailer for the first Hobbit movie back when it was still two movies instead of three, we got Thran jumping down off the parapet on Gandalf's head. Another behavioral thing. This will become yeah. so. This is a, he's pulling a Thran jumping off the parapet means he's been like <laughs> leading us on or something. Like right. That. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that we began. So, so, I so Laura, I do remember in the theatrical version getting to that point at the moment where, like, when we get that vertical shot up the side of the wall, and I'm like, okay, here comes the crazy guy off the where parapet, finally, and no crazy Watch out. Guy moved on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, well, so okay, one thing, of course, that we missed by having Thran cut from the theatrical release entirely is that we were deprived of not one but two separate Azanul Bazaar flashbacks. Um, <laughs> so on the principle of more yeah, Azanul just Bazaar wrong. is better, that was obviously a poor choice. Yeah, it's uh, just wrong. <laughs> um, I have to admit, even I probably could have done without the second flashback to Azanul Bazaar. Uh, I mean, the business yeah. with him getting with, with his ring was cool, but we got like Thran right. saying goodbye to Thorin twice, like once from Thorin's point of view and once from Thran's point of view. The second time, I didn't need it. The second yeah. time, yeah, yeah. I, I remembered the fact that they had said goodbye on the battlefield. <laughs> That's an old bizarre, all by myself. But, um, I. But anyway, so that was that was kind of interesting. The fr that first scene at the beginning doesn't seem to do anything except establish or reestablish the basic facts of that plot, right? Like a. I have a father. His name is Thran. B, he was missing. He's been missing since the battle. Nobody knows. Do you know what happened to him? Oh, no. Nobody knows what happened to him after the battle, right? Okay, so we, we've established, well, we've established it, that. Well, it makes fact. more sense. It makes more sense why Thorin didn't react when Gandalf says, oh, I've got this key from your father. Right. Thorin doesn't say, my father, oh, did you see my father? He says nothing. So that was, right. to me, that was a big question mark. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, it yeah, makes more sense now that he and Gandalf had just talked about this. 
previously. Although so. it also in, retroactively waits that a little bit. When Gandalf comes out with a key and Thorin's like, where did you get this? And now the subtext is, yeah. and why the heck didn't you give it to me in brief for crying out loud? It's one thing if you held on to it you know, ever since the battle. Like, that's cool. But like, we've already had this conversation <laughs> once. We were talking about my dad, and you had this thing from him, from him to me in your pocket, and you never thought, like, oh, speaking of your father, I happen to be carrying a map and key. Uh, yep. But I'm going to hold maybe off on that. That's why they couldn't put that in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, that is a uh, that is a little bit that is a little bit funny. But um, uh, but anyway. So so, and we also get, of course, Gandalf asking about the dwarf ring, and that was one thing that was clear going back. I mean, I, this past week I, I was I rewatched both of the extended editions, and of course, references to the dwarf ring got added back to the unexpected journey That's too. Right. Gandalf brings it up at the council. When you watch both extended editions back to back, it becomes pretty clear. Gandalf is like fixated on the dwarf ring. He's the one who keeps bringing it up. You know, he's like, but what if the last? What about the last of the seven? And Saruman's like, not relevant. Doesn't matter. Um, uh, you know, as long as the one is not found, who cares? And the one is obviously not going to be found, so it's all good. Um, but, uh, but you know, Gandalf is really pursuing it. So then, of course, you know, in the end, we finally get that answered. I think it's interesting that the dwarf ring actually appears. Wasn't that a riddle or a conundrum at some point in the last three years? Is the oh, yeah. dwarven ring of power going to appear yes, on screen yeah. at any time? Yes. Didn't we well, ask that at some the point? Lego set last year, remember, with the ring under the statue? I mean, gosh. What? I man. I can't remember exactly what form it took, but I know there was at least one riddle or conundrum yeah. that was centered on the Dwarven, Dwarven Ring. ring. Yeah. Back when we were doing our completely Dwarfo-centric uh, episodes at the very opening of Season 1, right? Remember we did like four in a row yeah. of just like d- all dwarves all the time? Oh, that's right. You didn't talk about Hobbit. We have like a like, comprehensive yeah, list of all riddles somewhere. Oh, yeah, we do somewhere. That should exist. It that should exist. Yeah. It should exist. It should exist, but yeah. But does it? Well, yeah. I think we have the three separate it does. lists somewhere yeah, in our archives. Yeah, it does. Yeah. We just have um, to find it. Yeah, but anyway, so, uh, okay, so, uh, so and it, I think we were asking that. And so I was interested in the fact that the ring did, in fact, appear on yeah. screen. So we, we, actually, <laughs> we actually got... You, how did you feel about its actual appearance? I was, I was like, oh, that's kind of disappointing. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting, but it was kind of, yeah. I was like, oh, that's not, I'm not that impressed. It was big and clunky, but yeah. I would have expected a dwarf oh. ring to be big and clunky. Yes. You know, it, 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 I mean, goodness knows if it had looked, you know, like, um, like Galadriel's ring, <laughs> I, you know, could you imagine, you know, Thran wearing like a delicate little band, delicate, yeah, you know, right, with okay. a tasteful setting, Fair you know, enough. like it's, uh, so like, <clears throat> the fact that it kind of looked like a, a either a either a really gaudy class ring yes. or a really tasteful Super Bowl ring. Um, <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's between those two extremes, you know? Um, I, I uh, you know, I, I was fine with it, with its appearance. And I think mostly just because I don't think I ever, I don't think I thought about it all that much right. as to what it should look like. I mean, it should have, it should have, um, it should have uh, 
a jam in it. You know, I mean, that that's the one thing we know for sure. I mean, that is if Sauron is correct, that all of the rings had each their proper gem. Um, so it had a prominent gem. Chris set. Miller says the ring is the same as the prop in the Fellowship of the Ring prologue. Right, yeah, when they're each reaching out and grabbing oh, cool. for the rings yeah. at the, in, the, in the opening. Oh. Yeah, we did already get the rings, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the one thing that I... Uh, mm, I guess it was because the dwarf rings... I mean, I guess if you want to get really critical about it, the dwarf rings technically were made by Sauron and not by the dwarves. So they should not actually look exactly like dwarven craftsmanship, right? Right. Right. Technically, because they were a gift to the dwarves. That that okay. So, so just brief, brief sort of brief sort of detour here. We we never take yeah. these. Um, yeah. That is an yeah, interesting exactly. question. The the rings, the ring, the, the you know, there's a profound difference in the way the rings behave from race to race, right? Is that are the rings themselves designed differently, or is that more their effects upon the people who made them? Or um, okay, so I guess, I guess in truth, the Elven rings were actually made by Celebrimbor, not by Sauron, right? So, yes. so those by those, Celebrimbor alone, yes. Yes, yeah. So those would be those, in fact, would be essentially different from the dwarf and and, and right. um, Nazgul yeah. rings. But the Nazgul and dwarf rings could theoretically be pretty much. From the same um, model, from the same, they all have the same model number. Right. <laughs> right. Series, right. Yeah. So, like, on 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 the inside is engraved a serial number. Like, yeah. you have right. ring number zero zero four. Right. You know, it's yeah. Um, but no, I mean, <laughs> the language that Gandalf uses when he talks about it in the Shadow of the Past is pretty generic. Yeah. You know, he do, he does not say, for instance, the seven rings were mm-hmm. given to the dwarves. He says more... he gave seven rings to the dwarves yes. and nine he gave to mortal men and thereby ensnared them. Right. Um, and it sounds like okay, so he was kicking around. He, he had he had sixteen rings kicking around. So he's like, oh, I'll give seven of them to dwarves and nine right. of them to men. And and in the way and the language that he uses, um, that Tolkien uses to contrast the effects of the rings on the men versus the dwarves. The dwarves did not fade because they're too tough. It, yeah. uh, the fact that he draws that contrast. It, it sort of implies, you know, like it, it's like a surprise that the rings didn't do the same thing to the dwarves that it did to the humans. So it implies that it's pretty much the same ring, same kind of ring. Oh, that's true. I mean, it's like Corey said that the dwarf was a, it was a uh, failed, failed. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 It, so it doesn't work. That, the, that, the, the effect he was attempting to have mm-hmm. upon the, the 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 targets was the same. And that it worked with the men and it failed with the dwarves. The one thing that could be taken to imply that the dwarf rings are fundamentally different seems to be the connection that the that the rings have with gold. Um, you know, ha- at the, at the heart of every, all of the the ancient dwarf uh, hordes of old was a was a golden ring. We're, we're told. Um, but you know, I'm not even convinced of that because that seems to me quite likely that that's a question of a difference in, in application rather than a difference in, in yeah. essence. That is to right. say, if the essence of the ring is to give the wielder power and dominion, to give it the ability to exercise power and control over other beings, well, like, using it to get wealth is what a dwarf would do with it, right? That's how a dwarf would right. apply right. Um, a ring, you know, in that, in that kind of a, in that kind of a case. So, you Did know, she I th- say, or somebody, 
did, or maybe you guys talked about this in the summer on the summer. I can't remember, but it, I was always like it magnified, like the ring would magnify whatever the holders sort of base. Yeah, they're sort of native. Are, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. They're sort of they're so sort of like native. Off of yeah. what, kind of a lot like yeah. when we talk about the one ring, like you know, it makes Bilbo invisible, but it may not make somebody else invisible. Like it varies with the holder kind of thing. Right. The 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 phrase is the that I think you're thinking of, Trish, where it says, you know, gave him power according to his stature. Right. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know that that that's and that doesn't necessarily say that the. The, the nature of the powers would be totally different for right. different people. Um, but it's it certainly like... Mm-hmm. But you could certainly see how the Dwarven Rings would uh, magnify something that was already there or make yeah. it... Yes. Well, and the rings, except for the three Elven Rings, were made um, by Sauron, or at least yeah. in collaboration with Sauron, um, in order to, at least on Sauron's part, to enslave or ensnare the people wearing them. Right. But since the dwarves were so kind of stubborn and intractable, it didn't work on them. Right, 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 right. exactly. So, so I, I, you know, I think it's certainly, it's not implausible that the ring would look kind of, you know, dwarvish, uh, you know, in its design, um, for the reason, you know, both both Brianna, uh, Melvin, and Sharon Powell have good suggestions. Sharon says, um, of course, that, you know, uh, Sauron at that time was in his people-pleasing mode, uh, you know, right? So the idea that he would kind of... True. Anatar would totally personalize yeah. his gifts. Exactly, right, right. right. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. Look at this special set of rings designed uh, just for you. Um Exactly. Plus, as Brianna points out, is the the dwar- Moria dwarfs and the elves were hanging. That was in Holland, right? Was where yeah. Celebrimbor was, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just through there the other day, as a matter of fact. Act, act now, and you can have your name engraved on the inside. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what would you give away as a bonus gift? And if you order in the next five minutes, hey, we can do that here. We can, too. We can do that for the next two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like it. And also, you know, a, a a a fascinating psychological point, by the way, is that I've noticed that both Dave and I are absent-mindedly toying with our wedding bands while we're having this conversation. Yes. It's like almost impossible not to do that. Like, yeah, I, I I've been I, I've not been doing it on screen, but I've yes. totally been doing the same thing the whole yes. time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you're lucky I'm not taking it off and flipping thing. it. The other thing that I thought was interesting is uh, Thryon was not invisible when he was wearing that ring. And I thought that the other rings made, maybe because the ring rays are kind of invisible... Well, I think, I think that's a, I think that's a product too. of the it's failure of the dwarf of the dwarf rings, is that the dwarves ah. are too solid to to fade, which means oh. presumably they're also too solid to disappear, um, because in as much as the disappearing is ex- rain dolls anytime soon, <laughs> hopefully not. Boy, it's like it's too bad. Um, She's getting her doll again. <laughs> put a beard on him. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, you saw that before, David, didn't you? They really did have an. They really do have an invisible Bilbo doll. That's yeah. what that was. Yeah. Yes. Bilbo with the yeah. ring on. Yeah. The, yeah he the, was there. He saw that. The the the, 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 the so so I, I actually I, I think that that's in that way perfectly appropriate. That in as much as the invisibility is explained, it is explained in that you know because when Frodo is wearing the ring, he is 
you know, he is half in the Wraith world himself. That's why, you know, that's presumably why he's invisible. Uh, so, so yeah, the dwarves just don't go there. They don't, they, 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 the dwarves don't do the Wraith world, you know, for... As a bonus, a set of Morgul blades. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. That's exactly what Anatar would give as a, as a, as a bonus gift. Yeah. Uh, you wonder... Me, I'm wondering... Oh, go if, ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you go first. Oh, no. Uh, well, I was just going to say, if we were still playing the riddle game, I would want to do a riddle, or or at least a conundrum about is the ring, is this dwarven ring going to mean anything in the third movie? I mean, I, you know, is has the dwarven ring just yeah. been in the story just for those of us who know the books? I don't know. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I was wondering too after watching this. Because again, yeah. I, it was really clear watching the two extended editions back to back. It was really clear. It's 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 a it's a recurring thing. Gandalf keeps coming back to it and keeps coming back to it, yeah. and it's like, <laughs> is that, that going to be the time? Gets his the answer from and the Lord of the Rings. Movies. Yeah, what's he going to do? <laughs> well, right. there's your answer, Trish. It'll play a role in the extended scenes for Battle of Five Armies. <laughs> it won't actually be in the film. That's so right. we, yeah. so even if we had even if we had a riddle or a conundrum, um, your answer should apply. be no. No, that's right. That's right. Hey, right. hey, uh, there we go. Many, Here's a way to drag this thing on even longer. Different. We'll add an extra part of the Riddles I, game, which is predicting what will be in the extended edition extended scenes edition. of really the Battle of Five Armies. <laughs> well, well yeah, and considering that the theatrical conundrum. release is supposed to be so so short for the Battle well, of Five Armies. Now it's supposed to be three hours, by the way. They yeah. changed his mind? Latest announcement, yeah. Ah, see, we d- didn't we doubt it when we heard that news? When he was all like, "It's going to be like an hour and fifty-eight minutes," we were like, "Yeah, we'll believe that when <laughs> yeah, we see it." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I give yeah, up. It's actually going to be the longest one ever. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, uh, I was. Well, Go ahead, okay. Laura. So getting back to the dwarven ring. Yeah, yeah. I-, I thought that might be a way to kind of segue into starting to think about uh, Bilbo's ring as. Mm-hmm. One of the important rings. So, although it evidently takes oh, Gandalf sixty years Gandalf to get to that idea, that would but, make sense. That would right. make sense if the culmination of right. the dwarf ring plot, since it has been entirely a question of Gandalf fixating on it, that's true. If it would culminate right. in Gandalf's uh, inquiries about Bilbo's ring, or at least yeah. his speculations about Bilbo's ring, yeah, um, which makes me wonder if he's going to have a conversation with Saruman about it in the third movie, and Saruman will go, no, no, no. That ring, oh, he won't, but he doesn't know about Bilbo's ring yet, does he? Yeah, oh God, don't tell Saruman yeah. about it. No, Gandalf yeah. doesn't even know about it yet, technically, right. or at least no. overtly know well, about it. Well, no, that's one of the questions, you know, where are we going to go with that at the end yeah, of that? Yeah. If that is going to culminate in that way, what does culminating look like in the third film for yep. Gandalf uh, being like, okay, wait, I have a theory about your ring. I will explore that theory in several decades. Let's give this some time. <laughs> let's, you know, let's, you know what? Let's table it. Let's table it. Let's table it for the next sixty years. Well, yeah. it would it would make sense if he does bring it up to Saruman, and does say yes. something, and Saruman says, "No, the ring was lost and right. can't be found again." And then, if there were more scenes of Saruman starting to think about it too, maybe it could have been found and Gandalf starting to think about it right right now um another announcement that might have gotten by you Corey which again this is probably not for the extended edition but I'm saying it now anyway is it's officially been announced that Elijah will will, Elijah Wood does not appear in the third movie oh Oh, you hadn't heard that no they're not 
Well, okay. Could be coming back to the frame story, but um, Frodo won't be in it. It doesn't say that Ian Holm doesn't appear in it. No, uh, right. And in fact, I believe they have. I believe there is confirmation that Ian Holm. Uh, I'm hoping is in for. This. I'm hoping for the end more like the book, where Balin and somebody else comes and visits him. That's what I'm hoping for. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Didn't we speculate about that? We said they were going to do we a did. pullback, and it was going to be Balin yeah. sitting in the living room. <laughs> right. It's right. looking good. <laughs> anyway. So um, let's see. Was there? Oh, so the other thing that I actually started to talk to Corey about earlier today was the. Um, I, I said so. Thre- now this is another area where I think Jackson has been very coy in terms of not explaining. So it's open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. But Thrain basically says something about that they tortured me, but they couldn't get it out of me. In other words, they couldn't, or something like he. I took it that he was implying that they were trying to figure out, that trying to get him to tell them where the map and key were. Yeah. Because right after he says they couldn't get it out of me or whatever it is he says, he says to Gandalf, do you still have them? Do you still, you know, do you still have the map and key? Um, and I was saying to Corey, so if Smaug and Sauron are in league, why would Sauron be torturing Thrain all this time for the map and key? Couldn't he just ring the front doorbell? I, I, yeah, he could. I think the point is that they're worried about anybody else being ah. able to enter in the mountain. because and, and that helps, maybe to make a little bit of sense of a thing that didn't make any sense at all in the theatrical edition, which is what the captive orc says to Thranduil and Legolas. Right. You know, that is, you know, that is, it was never really clear why do the orcs care? I mean, I get why Azog cares, right? Personal vendetta, uh, that's fine. Um, but I don't get why it was like, he must not be permitted to get to the mountain. It's like, why not? Just like have Smaug step on him. What's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, this seems like really, you know, when you think about that seems like a good idea. Yeah, go to the mountain. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Let's help you along the way. We'll open the gates. Kim makes a very good point. How would Sauron know the secret entrance exists when even Thorin didn't know it existed? (laughs) That's true, too. Oh, well. I I don't know. I don't understand. I mean, because... (laughs) Gerald Michael says, so with a map and key, someone could drag a windlass and black arrow into the secret entrance. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, I don't get, I still don't understand. Like The Thran thing was still really dissatisfying to me, and I'm only hoping that it will come back to make more sense in the extended edition of the third film. Because... (laughs) uh, uh, And I say that because, of course, they've painted themselves in a corner now, right? I mean, they took them out of the... So clearly the third film, the theatrical edition, has to rely only upon the theatrical edition of film two, right? I mean, they're not going to assume that everyone coming to the theater has got the extended edition of the second film in time, right? So, therefore, they can't make references to Thrain in the third film. And so, therefore... About the second film, too, you know, because they added so what we thought were such key scenes in the extended edition of the first, but I guess you're right. I, I'm trying to think if there was anything in the second theatrical... There are things that, that make... That in, in, the, in the first extended edition that make more sense that help to explain things that were in right. the second film theatrical edition but it but didn't not, but, yeah, but, yeah it didn't bring in stuff that was just cut out i mean i don't think i don't think they can put in references to thran now in the third film and therefore my hopes of this 
plot arc somehow coming around to make sense in the third film seems to have to wait to the extended edition. But anyway, I think, so the, the couple questions I'm left with there at the end of the, okay, several really questions I'm left with at the end of the Thran material. And one was exactly as you were saying, Trish, why exactly were they torturing him? I don't get that. What were they trying to get out of him? Um, it doesn't make any sense that it was the map and key. I don't under, unless he revealed the fact, unless they gathered from him already, you know, that basically he failed to conceal the fact that there was a secret entrance and uh, they were trying mm-hmm. to, to get to Or that there was the existence of a map and a key. Right. <clears throat> they understood and, that it existed. That's true. Yeah. And and they tortured him, but they left his ring. Oh no, his ring was hard. See, that's mind. the thing. Never mind. Is that if they were torturing him for the ring, that's how that's what's suggested in the book. That they, yeah, you know that you know that finally yeah. his, his his ring is taken from him. But um, and it sounds just doesn't care about the map and key, like yeah. Um, Which makes you wonder where he was hiding it all that time. Yeah, but yeah. That's unless they, you know. Yeah, I don't actually want to think about that. Me neither. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Especially, never mind. Let's not think about that. <laughs> uh, I was going to elaborate, but I shan't elaborate on that. Um, uh, the, no, the um, though actually, it's kind of it, it would be kind of fun. Like if you imagine like an orc jailer who had some kind of psychological sophistication and decided that it would uh, actually increase the suffering of the prisoner to allow him to keep a key that does not fit the lock that is on his cage. <laughs> <laughs> no, you hang on to that key. That'll do you good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you should try it on the lock. <laughs> yeah. Try it again today. It didn't work yesterday, Uh-oh. but maybe it will today. The Bond villain is back. <laughs> That's right. This is the, the little kitty. He's the different kitty. Hey, uh, I know we're not going to do a, um, a drawing now. We're going to wait till the end. Right. But I did just want to... Uh, remind everybody that this is last call for getting in ah. on the drawing. You know how they do last call like at the middle of the seventh Tomorrow. inning in a baseball game and oh. just give you a little <laughs> bit of time. So this is it. If you want to get in on the grand uh, prize drawing, uh, donate more than $60. If you want to get in on the second hour drawing for um, the, the three, uh, three. And I'll tell you now the silver leaves. So Brent won, what is it called? It's called Tolkien Fantasy Art and Artists is what Brent won. And okay. the one that we'll be um, drawing for is called Here There Be Dragons. Is the okay, silver Here There Be Dragons. Okay. All right. And, so and uh, hey, Ed, is... is this on the, this is via the standard Mythgard donate page? That's right. It's, it's right. mythgard.org. I'm going to tweet it out. Donate. That's right. And all the prizes are listed there, and all the perks, and um, and you get at least a sense of where we are. I'm sure you haven't updated the numbers. You've been busy with. Um, no, I think we're at uh, thirty-seven five eighty. Wow, that's fabulous. So uh, that's fabulous. I've also broken it down uh, uh, by by hour, and it turns out that Kurt and Cat raised the most money during the webinar. <laughs> I've seen a fall off in oh. attendees during Girls of the Dark. I yes, tell you. <laughs> we're driving them away. So please, everybody, uh, get in your last uh, last little donation so that we can. Uh, uh, of course, I'll be back again. I'll be back again. Probably. But we are going to try and pay Corey for his. Uh, Good At work. least for his riddles in the dark work, because it's just so spectacularly <laughs> outstanding. Yes. yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. 
Well, we're pretty uh, close. I mean, I, we're great. further along than I thought we'd be at, at this time. Yeah. No, yeah. actually, we, yeah, we're, we're, we're discussing the last segment here. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Although we can probably... Yeah, and I, I hate to say this, but I need to go. I have a little hobbit of my own here that's yes. going to start And he's been rebelling. very patient. Yes. We'll have our own battle of Alzanulzabar here if I don't go. So. <laughs> oh, you don't want that. That's bloody. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I don't want that. Yeah. So. There are no real winners All of the right. Battle of Asinul Bazaar, you know. I mean, it's yeah, you just don't <laughs> Laura, you did outstanding on the, Laura, the debate. Yes. Laura, before oh, you go. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yes. Summary thoughts on the extended edition material. Were you satisfied? Uh, I really like the, the Thryan stuff. Um, the other stuff I could have done without. Uh, I didn't think it really added all that much, um, but I like the Thryan stuff, and I wish they had left it in the movie. Me too, yeah. So, so that those are those are my feelings, and I wish they also would let people buy it other places than Walmart. <laughs> my other which is, thought I'm going to throw in there. Which is so, yeah, so going to Walmart everybody. to buy it's like going to Mordor. That's yeah. right. Thanks, thanks everybody for donating, and uh, I'll see everybody at Mismoot in January. Absolutely, you're ho- yeah. Laura's hosting and our come to the hospitality suite. Yeah, yep, which, we'll which will be a wash with Lotro players. We'll doing, yep, we'll be doing Lotro sessions, and uh, and yeah. it's, it's going to be a great time. There'll be refreshments, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, we'll see you in yeah, definitely. I mean, nobody will go okay. to the sessions. We'll just all be in the hospitality suite. <laughs> That's, right. That's the danger, of course. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we'll have to Bye, we'll just close it. Good night, Good night. Laura. Bye, Laura. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, we'll okay, so have, was... like, hours on the hospitality suite. You know, close yeah. during conference. <laughs> yeah, true. right. That's right. Yeah, we gotta cut off people's access to to Lotro oh, and booze during okay. these sessions. I'm we want now to going to. Shall I now compete with Ed? <laughs> yes. I think she heard that Ed was, you know, being visited by his kitty. So I got. I mine. see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But she likes to walk on the keys, so I think I'll let her go down. <laughs> that is. Uh... That is as one one thing we have no cats in my house. <laughs> no cats. Oh, yeah, my wife is my wife is deathly allergic to cats. Yeah. As uh, is my wife, so sadly no deathly cats. Deathly allergic to cats. Yeah, yeah, not happening. So but anyway, um, so I was complaining about oh, Fran. Great. I think yeah. I, I I was I don't you know, <laughs> I don't remember what I was saying now, but it was, it was complaining. Compl- it was complaining. Yeah. So it's yeah. important. Oh well, I you know the thing I for our riddles. Because I think this is a riddle, isn't it? It isn't the one that you were contending that he was a wild man in the woods. I mean, you this know, is kind of borderline here, you know. I, I mean, I, that's open for interpretation. I, 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 yeah, mm-hmm. you're going to argue for it. I know. Oh yeah. Do the oh thing. yeah. Uh, I think I think it's I think it's close. I think it's confirmed. I mean, this is as close as you can get. Really, right? I'm not so sure because you get that impl- implication that he's a prisoner of his, you know, like there's hallucinations that are keeping him in place. Yeah, that he's kind allowing of allowing him I mean, to run around because he hallucinates that he can't get out. Yeah, it's it's hard because he is. I mean, he he's a really interesting combination of like free and prisoner. You know, I mean, he clearly is. Plus, he's completely loony until you know until he does. Well, yes, where yeah. for yeah. what purpose are they permitting him to wander around? I know. Well, maybe less guards. You know, or less... for fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe target practice. Yeah, is he for like fun? the the dull Goldor jester? 
<laughs> yeah, is uh, well, you don't uh, get that when he's running around. When you get that, whoosh, whoosh, yeah. You know, when when Gandalf's going down those halls, I'm thinking, is is that supposed to be Thryon doing that? I guess yeah. so. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, they're just they're, they're yeah. Chris Miller is saying to 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 torment him. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah. I think they're just they're just torturing him. Um, oh, so, yes, I haven't watched the commentary, so yeah. But uh, um, I mean that yeah that that does seem that does seem to be that does seem to be the case. Oh, do they I say guess... that in the commentary? That's what Chris says. Chris says he yeah. believes that PJ mentions it in the commentary. <laughs> well, there's certainly nothing on screen to suggest any. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's. I mean, I guess. I mean, that's what I was inferring from it. You know, is that right, they've, right, yeah, you know, yeah. they're they're not having pity on him and they're not letting him go. So, yeah. well, I got it when he says to Gandalf, "You can't get out. The snakes will stop you." And then Gandalf right. says, "Oh, it's just illusion." So you get. I got the impression that like Thrain had always thought they were there. Right. And it took Gandalf. It kind of like a you know a scene in Edoras. You know, it took Gandalf to. Yeah, that that, that his um his uh sort of calming the mind and curing the madness of, 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 of Thrain was um, a definitely better than the Eteros scene in many ways, but uh, yeah, to see, you know, less theatrically exorcist like, but um, <laughs> uh, which was what was better about it in my mind. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, no so, okay. So, so, Back to my complaints. So my complaints were just basically the, all the unanswered questions that I still have at the end. So again, okay, assuming it was the map and key or something that they're again, why it makes that scene, as I said, with the captive orc that Thranduil was interrogating, it makes it less random, but it still doesn't fully explain it. Um, right. Thran seems to say, and Thran's final words before, I mean, like the the end of that scene. So there are the three segments. One I should do. I didn't do. Uh, timestamps, so I should I should give those um, the timestamps for the the portion at the beginning with uh, Thorin and Gandalf in uh, in Bree is at three minutes and eight seconds uh, into the film, and then <clears throat> we get three separate uh, Thrain scenes at the end. The first one is a very very short one; it's only twenty seconds long. It's the first time we get any hint of like that's the the scene with him scurrying around in the background right. we were talking about. Um, and that's at one hour and 52 minutes and 16 seconds. Um, then just a couple minutes later at one, uh, one hour, 54 minutes and 32 seconds is when we get the primary scene. That's when he jumps down from the parapet and they fight and Gandalf uh, calms him with like the magic thumb on the forehead uh, trick. And we get the second flashback to Azanul Bazaar and the cutting off of the ring. And, uh, and that, that's almost five minutes of material that we get there. And then the final sequence, which we'll talk about soon, um, when Thran is with him when he confronts um, uh, uh, the necromancer, mm -hmm. and that's at two hours and nine minutes and twenty-two seconds. But but the end of that first of that of that, that second scene, the primary scene, uh, you know, the five-minute-long scene um, in Dol Guldur, um, is when Gandalf says to Thran, "Remember, he says." Um, You'd be proud of Thorin, right? He's completing the quest. He's going to he's going to enter Erebor and get the, back the Arkenstone. There'll be another king among the dwarves. Gandalf obviously thinking that that he Thran is going to be no end pleased about this, right? <laughs> um, and Thran instead says, "No one must enter that mountain." You know, like you you've got to. No one must. 
I don't understand why not. Yeah, he doesn't explain, right? He never yeah. says why. What, what, what's up with that? Like, what? If he didn't say that, if he had just said, no, no, Thorin shouldn't do it, maybe I could understand that as him reflecting on, like, the danger that Thorin would be in. Like, then he'll go mad like Dad did, and that was really embarrassing, and right. I wouldn't want to see that happen to Thorin. And, and uh, <clears throat> But he was implying that it was part of the plan. Right, because this is right, and right after this. The only thing we get which is anything vaguely approaching an explanation of no one must enter that mountain, mm -hmm. that's the very that's the cut of that scene. The cut back in to the third scene is him saying to Gandalf, the dragon and the one are in league. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that would imply, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, that's implying that... When he says no one must enter that mountain, that's because he's saying it is according to the plan of Sauron and the dragon that somebody would enter the mountain. Oh. Like that's what's supposed to happen according to the evil plan. So if we, if you want to thwart the evil plan, make sure nobody enters the mountain. Right. Hmm. That's one theory about right. what he means by that. The downside Which of course to that... is counteracted by the fact that they have forces pursuing him and trying to prevent him from, <laughs> to prevent him from entering the mountain. Yeah, I, that's, I was going to say the downside is it's completely incoherent with the rest of the film. But other than that, the theory really stands up. I Although I suppose, yeah. I suppose one could look at it as Sauron just like basically having multiple plans in place. It's like, look, I'm just going to have Azog pursue them to the death. And if he kills them, he kills them. And if he doesn't, smile, go get them. <laughs> but right. seems pretty complicated. It or does. The orcs, or he has the orcs pursuing them, not with any intention that the orcs are going to actually catch and kill him, but to drive him to the mountain, to enter the mountain. Possible? Get him there faster? Move it up. Let's step off the itinerary. Can we, right. Thorin? Move it. Move it. <laughs> of course. Okay. Driving yeah. him into... Um, driving him into... But, uh, but what point? Driving him know. into Mirkwood and, having, and then having the spiders grab him seems to... Seems doesn't seem like the best way to get him there. No, no, that sounds like the most implausible plot since Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Oh, uh, oops. Uh, uh, did I say that out loud? My fault. My fault. Um, no, but it's what it reminds me of. Like that whole I'm going to make him do. I'm going to make him do this really complicated thing in order to bring him to where I could have brought him very easily. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, never mind. Okay, so. Hobbits to Mount Doom, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, okay. So this is why I don't get the no one must enter the mountain thing. Yeah. Because clearly, again, all right, so why else would he say no one must enter the mountain? No one must wake the dragon? But if the dragon and the one are in league, Smaug is not just going to sleep through his alarm clock on the plan, right? I mean, uh, if he yeah, and right. Smaug are making a plan, it's not a question of like, oh, don't. I mean, that Bard, I mean, because it's very similar, right, to what Bard is saying. You know, he, what he just said half an hour ago was, you know, you have no right to enter that mountain because if you enter the mountain, you're going to rouse the dragon and he's going to come and destroy everything and it's going to be your fault, right? Right. And so. If we interpret Thrain the same way, that's fine, except it makes no sense because he's saying, look, the the one is already woke. I mean, not, the dragon's not asleep, right? I mean, he's 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 going to come out. So it's not a question of, like, you could prevent, you could thwart the plan by just letting Smaug sleep. Not going to happen. So why? Why must no one enter the mountain? I still don't understand. 
you know, it's just a crazy old man rambling. He wasn't well, even talking about the Lonely him. Mountain. Yeah, I'll just go, well, why not? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Who knows right. what mountain he was talking about? Right. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that's later. Um maybe it's even maybe it's why not why shouldn't he enter the mountain maybe it's even more oblique reference maybe he's saying no no the worst possible thing that could happen is thorn will enter the mountain retake it reclaim the treasure and the arkenstone and then he'll go mad with power and then um and then anger his neighbors and they'll spark a war between the men and the elves and the dwarves because that was sauron's plan all along right yeah (laughs) yes Yes, that even works is doing the thing to make that exactly because part of the plan, even like the killing of Smaug in this new catastrophic strike by Bard, was part of the plan. Sauron knew that was going to happen, and so was or just it was a contingency. He's like, look, you know, I really just hope Azog kills him, but if he doesn't, he'll get to the mountain and Smaug will kill him. But if somehow Smaug doesn't kill him and gets driven out (laughs) of the mountain, he'll burn down Lake Town and you know. Sorry, everything. Somehow, if Smaug dies, what's the worst case scenario? We've got this Thorn Oakenshield character in the mountain with all that treasure, the dragon sickness, and Arkenstone. <laughs> what the? What's he gonna do? He'll be a disaster. <laughs> right. And Brian Yoder says, and and of course, what he accomplishes by this is getting all the elves and men and dwarves all gathered into one place so he can smite them exactly. all. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So Sauron. Sad. Sauron is the ultimate James Bond villain. He had a multi-layered <laughs> plan. All the time in the world. I mean, he's lived for ages and ages, right? So he's not in a big hurry. I mean. Yeah. You know, so it takes a few decades. Yeah, it's all. And somehow and here... this backfired. Right. Worst <laughs> luck ever, Sauron. Bad luck. <laughs> I'm uh I'm 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 here having to restrain myself very much not to talk about the trailer because this I know, is the I know. I'm most interested in about the trailer. But I'm uh, I'm gonna be good and I'm not gonna talk about it. Good for you. Day instead, this Friday. This Friday. Yes, yes. Instead let's shift and talk about the final sequence and the end of Thran that we get when he's sucked into the black hole of Necromancer at the end, uh, at the end oh, there. Right. Tell my um, son I love him. Yes. Tell Thorin I love him. I love oh, the conversation they're having while they're fighting this. Well, you could tell him yourself. Uh, I, I, was, I don't know. It was kind of strange. I mean, they've got this thing that they're trying to deal with here and having this sort of side conversation. Well, Thran was always a sentimental guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I... The end was the thing that also just did not make much sense to me. This is why, I mean, I I like the Thran stuff. There's so much that I like about it. But I can't... The more I look at that Thran subplot that we get in the extended... The more of a mess it seems. It just... And maybe, you know, maybe I just need to be patient. Maybe it'll make more sense. Maybe something will come in in the extended edition later to make more sense of it, but... No, I I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'll be right back. I have a dog calling to me. Oh, you have a pet pet emergency there? Yeah. Yes, a little pet emergency, yes. Um... I was the w- one moment that really gave me pause the first time I saw it was uh-huh. in that final Thran scene where he 
uh, right after he says the dragon and the one are in league, mm-hmm. and then he's running along and Gandalf is following him, and he leads, Thrain leads Gandalf right into like where Azog is standing with all these other orcs right. there. The first time I thought, I thought Thrain had betrayed him. I thought yeah. that you know he was deliberately leading Gandalf into a trap, which was especially particularly you know perhaps I was I was you know primed to think in that way because. Um, we saw, you know, he had just been talking about people being in league and conspiring together, and then, like, he appears to be in league with Azog. But I think that seems not, in fact, at all to be the case. It was just a, you know, I guess an accident or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like, you know. Well, you know, I, Thran's only been there for several hundred years. <laughs> he he still hasn't doesn't have the lay of the place <laughs> Exactly. It still gets all turned around in some of those corridors. You know, I mean, uh, you know, one moss encrusted spiky wall really looks like another. And uh, yeah. 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 You just um, wandering. He's like, oh, sh- oh, shoot. I forgot. <laughs> this yeah. is where Sauron hangs out. Sorry. Yeah. I've accidentally led you right into the heart of the, the enemy power, didn't I? That was uh, that was a shame. Um, oh, but... not my finest moment. <laughs> yeah. Um so basically my rea- my reaction to that sequence was like either um you know they're saying that Thrain is in league with him which I wasn't a huge fan of right. or it was just weak, you know, and and you know the I don't know. Um that, that I just felt that whole thing was awkward. But then the the final thing, like Sauron is gunning for Thrain at the end, like he's trying to eliminate him or something. <laughs> and Thrain seems to anticipate that it's going to happen. You know, like with the whole tell Thor and I said, like it sounded like he was like, I'm going to throw myself off a cliff now. Like, I'm just about to th- to plunge off a cliff, so I'm saying goodbye. And then, like you know, he gets sucked up the vacuum cleaner in the next, you know, in the yeah. next second. Yeah, the guy's only been there, a prisoner or or not, uh, for a hundred or more years. And now Zaron's like, you know what? This guy, it's time to get rid of him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess this I'm, is – maybe this is why ultimately they cut this stuff because they just realized it made no – even though even though there's just some – there's some actually really good material in there. It ultimately yeah. just, just doesn't make a lot of sense. The only people and to it, whom this this makes any sense and means anything is is like the the book fans who are like, oh yeah, who've who've read the Lord of the Rings appendices carefully, right. and they're right. like, yeah, we should probably just cut this out. Yeah, well, especially since to me the greatest um, the greatest flaw of that final sequence yeah. is making Gandalf look like an idiot right at his climactic moment. Yeah, right. Um, you know, because I mean, how stupid does he look there? He's like, Oh, why don't you tell him you're, Oh, <laughs> you know? yeah. And he's just like, no, don't worry, Thran. I'll protect. Oh, oh, oops. <laughs> Got the shield up a little too late. <laughs> Dang it. You know, I really, Oh man. You know, and it's, it's just, it's like, no, like at that moment, I don't want to be, I don't want to be focusing. I don't want to be distracted from, which otherwise works pretty well. I mean, you know, a lot of people didn't like the whole light darkness thing. I did like the light darkness thing. I thought the confrontation between Gandalf and Sauron was nice. I, I, I enjoyed that. Um, even the presentation of it, but the, the, 
the inter the the addition of let's um let's let's add Thran being killed and Gandalf being not only incapable of protecting him but uh like not even but but like drawing attention to the fact that yeah he's yeah not, just you know. yeah Trish I think you're still muted are you still muted yes yeah, which is probably just as well because I was telling Dave I at least keep my phone out of the camera you know <laughs> looking at my phone. It's well, not in camera. Yeah, me you know, too. Me my, too. my wife's texting me from the living room, sort of asking me, like, hey, uh, how's it going? Uh, <laughs> this uh, is how okay. she communicates yeah. with me during our podcast. Me too. Me too. In fact, yeah, like, I, half the I time, yeah. you like the Wilhelm scream. Which yes. I guess was, that was when Thrain did his... his Indeed, they've thing, used, right? they used that multiple occasions. They also used it during the Lake, Lake Town chase scene. I don't think I know that phrase. The Wilhelm scream. The ah! Oh, I see. It's just... <laughs> if you if you Google it, find a YouTube video. You'll you'll probably yeah. you'll probably find like a five. You'll probably find a half hour YouTube video of all of these movie clips where they use it. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's like it's, it's recognizable if you if you've heard it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. What it is. And indeed, okay. once you've heard it, you'll hear it all, all over the place. I'll notice it. That's right. You'll do, you'll rewatch movies you've seen a hundred oh, times and be like, oh, Wilhelm scream now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah. So, uh, what? Uh, what do you What do you guys think overall about the this this extra material? You know, and in in particular, compared to the extended edition material, and uh, for for um, well, unexpected... that's what I was just thinking. Yeah. You know, I haven't watched the theatrical releases of the Lord of the Rings films in many years. Yes. Um, in fact, I remember this, and Tim Fisher will appreciate this, when I saw the Howard Shore live performance of the Fellowship of the Ring <clears throat> in Radio City Music Hall, mm-hmm. um, you know, where they did the live performance of the score. It was awesome. It was really great. Um, <clears throat> but it was done to the theatrical version. Right. And it was, when I saw that, and that was, goodness, that was a long time ago. Um, but uh, I think that was maybe 2008 or something like that um, when I saw that. And I had not seen, I don't think I had seen it since the theaters, the mm-hmm. theatrical release. Yeah. And I kept stumbling because I'd seen the extended edition so many times. I was like, Whoa, oh, wow, that was weird. It just jumped to that other scene. Um, and it really, I would... I think the extended editions are far better. I don't like the theatrical releases of the Lord of the Rings films. Mm. I mean, I think that what's added um, of the... I, I, I really enjoy what's added in the extended editions of the Lord of the Rings films. Right. Do um, you feel the same way about these? No, I don't. Um, huh. I don't. Not yet. And now so far... Well, I feel different about... I think I like the the uh, Unexpected Journey stuff better. Um there, I feel like that, but for the desolation of Smaug, I was kind of disappointed. Yeah, it's I mean, a, the stuff is really mixed bag, isn't it? It really is. Um, I mean, like, okay, Bilbo vouching for Thorin, I like that was 40 seconds of the 27 minutes. I like the conversation, that's my number one. My number two is Bjorn conversation with Gandalf about Dol Guldur. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was Again, another not very two, long. And a, two and a half minutes. So okay. we're up to three minutes of material that I really liked. Um, I'll take, I'll give him all three minutes of the Enchanted River Crossing and the White Stack. 
Huh. Okay. Okay. I might have cut some of it out. I could like the dwarves crossing over the river. The, the the actual crossing Climbing of the, the river sequence. Yeah. Could have been the vine crossing. I could have trimmed out a few seconds of there, but still, I'll give that to them. That's another three minutes. So we're up to six minutes of material that I think is right. Most of the extra Merkwood footage I wouldn't have. The five minutes of of queer lodgings I wouldn't have. The Thorin stuff. Uh, you know the Thran stuff. Uh, all of it. Again, you know, Dave, exactly like you said, there's a lot of cool material there, but do I think it makes it a better movie? Heck no, I don't think no, it makes yeah, it a yeah. better movie. Yep. I mean, I think it's, it's I agree with you. it really detracts from the the yeah. comprehension yep. of the story. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny, um, uh, um, be, being sort of the talking about talking about this in the context of, of evaluating it as an adaptation um yeah. which is of course especially interesting given that the pri- previous segment on this webathon was a debate about the quality of these movies <laughs> yeah. as adaptations yeah. um and 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 you know and taking this from the standpoint of all of us are sort of book first people and and yeah. and token purists you know all, we're on the token purist spectrum toward the purist side of things um, we're all, at least in terms of these films, I think we're all pretty amenable, but none of us is like film fanboys. We're all on the pure spectrum. I, right. I would say a lot of, a lot of the problems with a lot of the, this material, not all of it, but a significant amount of it is stuff that is, is more or less directly out of the books, whether the Hobbit <laughs> book or the appendices, yes, you know, things that's a, sort of yeah. more, more on the end of obscure book stuff. That we were hoping to see in the films that, and ultimately the reason why some of it fails or doesn't work is is basically them trying too hard to cram book stuff into the films. It's paradoxical. Absolutely. It is. I mean, yeah. people complain. It's almost like they change the story too much that the book stuff doesn't fit anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. and or at least we'll see. But that's not always true. Like for instance, the mm-hmm. clearest example of that in this extended edition is the queer lodging stuff, right? Yeah. Like we're going right. to go out of our way to have Gandalf introducing yeah. the dwarves two by two, even though right. it doesn't make a lick of sense in the context in which they've put it. Mm-hmm. Now that's not necessarily because the movie story has changed so that that doesn't fit. It's because of the choice that they made to have the bear chase scene earlier on. Had they been able to do without the bear chase scene, we could have done that. We could have gone from the scene well, where Bilbo's... That's what I, well, that's what I meant, where they chased yeah. the movie. Yep. Bayorn right. in, the, in the book never chased him as a bear at all. Yep. Exactly. Had, had we just gone from Bilbo seeing him in the distance and then them having that conversation with Gandalf where Gandalf is like, you know, uh, it's probably a good idea to go to him, maybe not... Um, and then they go to his house, right. and then we do the. Then let's have Gandalf knock on the door and say, "I'll signal you." And then we could, even if they had done it exactly the same way. I, I don't, you know, the way they, the way that the kind of comedy they were doing. Um, uh, I mean, I, I kind of, it, it, it undermined Gandalf. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually, I, I kind of, I kind, I, I, I do have something to say in praise if, if we remove it from the context for which I have no praise. But but it, taking that thing in isolation, again, imagining, let us imagine that they did exactly that same scene, but in a context that made some some look of sense. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the scene in the book emphasizes Gandalf's cleverness. Right. In fact, the narrator goes out of his way to draw it. So now you see, says the narrator, now you see how clever Gandalf was to engage him and get Bjorn so interested in the story that he, you know, and here now Bjorn finds himself entertaining, you know, 15 people, you know, 13 of which are dwarves, which he never would have done under other. So, so mm-hmm. like, you know, thumbs up Gandalf. That was clever and awesome. You kind of like manipulated Bjorn. 
it's praises Gandalf at the expense of Bjorn. Like yeah. Bjorn, it looks, uh, you know, I, he's is a little dumb. They 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 chose they chose away from that in the film. Um, they made Gandalf look a little foolish, right? With him not giving a clear signal. And I kind of like the fact that Bofor is like every time Gandalf gesticulates, he's like, "Here's the signal," right? And so they send people out. I I mean, I, as comedy, I kind of like that, and it did make Gandalf look silly. But the result is it made Bjorn look better mm-hmm. because Bjorn is not at all fooled. There's no question of pulling the wool over his eyes, right? right? He's well aware of the fact, but he makes the choice. Yeah, I don't like dwarves. Yes, there are 13 dwarves in my house, but it's seeing Thorin and he recognizes, wait, I know who that dwarf is. This is a big deal. Um, he, you know, he does recognize Thorin in the book. Yeah. Um, but so basically it chooses to play up that bit that he recognizes Thorin and that he sort of respects what Thorin is doing there. There was in that, I mean, in the, in the clip, it's just like he exchanges a glance with Thorin doesn't even speak, right? He just exp- exchanges a glance with Thorin. And then we cut right to him pouring milk into Feely's mug. Right. Yeah. Um, so he's clearly made the choice to accept them because he knows who he recognizes Thorin and he knows who he is and has decided basically that helping the king of Erebor return to Erebor um, would be a good thing, um, which seems to me to set up very well the end where we're going to get, um, where I hope we're going to get Bjorn, you know, lifting Thorin and carrying him out of the battlefield. I, I'd love to see yeah. that and I hope they do it. Um, and it seems to anticipate that. So I thought that that choice to like, emphasize that connection with Thorin um, and not have Bjorn just, you know, bamboozled or manipulated into accepting them was fine. So I was okay with that. It's just the context of it that that made it make no sense at all. Yeah, it is. It is kind of, I guess it is, I I guess maybe another way to look at this is maybe there is an extent, especially with, um, with, with beloved books like this, where you're doing an adaptation Maybe there is an extent to which, to which, uh, the filmmaking process is experimental, at least in part, where it's like, um, all right, we really don't want to do the Bayorn scene, the introduction, the way the book worked. We want to do something a little different. Maybe throw some action in there. At, you know, we want to, we want to, we want to get Bear, uh, Bayorn as the bear on screen earlier, and and right. and demonstrate right. him as being threatening to the dwarves, um, and. But at the same time, it's like, but we also know there's a lot of people that would really like to see the introduction scene. Uh, let's go ahead and film it. See if we can fit it in there. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We'll just put in the extras. Uh, you know, like maybe the same thing with Thran. They're like, it'll be really, it's, it'd be really depressing to shoot a Hobbit movie and not do something with, with, with that story. Even if ultimately it doesn't work, like at least it's worth a shot, I guess. Right. So, I guess right, that's a right. The, that's right. Like like the cynic in me is like ah this extra material's garbage. Ah, I don't care. Yeah, none of it works. Ah, you know, like God. But then like I guess the more optimistic way is they gave it a shot. Right. At least they filmed it. They could have just cut it right. entirely. They should have could have just said yeah we're not doing threat. That's stupid. They could have just said <laughs> yeah that Bayorn introduction scene's dumb. We're not doing that. Uh, you know, like right. like the fact that they shot some of this stuff, I guess, is evidence in favor of them really actually paying attention to the books and caring about it and liking it and wanting to try to make make things you know make scenes from the books that they know folks like us are expecting to see. So. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I, and it's it's something I, I I it's one of the things that I find kind of like mm-hmm. frustrating and as you said ironic. You know when 
when I engage, as I still sometimes am doing, engaging in, like, Twitter conversations with people who are coming in and saying, like, oh, you know, the problem with the movies is that they just, it completely forgets about the book. And I don't, I don't even bother to say, because it would sound like, I, I'm sure they would think I was just being sarcastic or something. Mm-hmm. You know, what I say, no, actually, I think the bigger flaw in the films is that they're too, they follow the book too slavishly. I mean, yes. it, if, if they were freer, if they freed themselves a little more from the book, it actually worked better as an adaptation. Um, and yes. it, it's, I, I'm sure that would sound insane to, yeah. to, to many people. Yeah. But I do think that that's the... Yeah, yeah. Interestingly, interestingly, I, I don't think I'm a huge fan of Bayorn the Bear chase, chasing the dwarfs into his own house and then leaving them alone right. there or whatever. Right. And uh, and I, and like and I think the way things happen on screen. But let's say let's let's accept that eh, it's okay. Um, the way, of course, the way things happen on screen, where the next very next scene is Bayorn so- serving them breakfast. You're like, whoa, how'd we get there? Makes no sense. Adding in the way, you know, doing the book style introduction, the way it works in the extended edition also makes no sense. I think I would have preferred they go with some other transitional scene there, like some other way of having Bayorn like knock on the door and say, I'm not a bear anymore. Come on, (laughs) open my I have a key. I can just let myself in, you know, and then saying like, all right, who are you? Like, I think something like that maybe might have worked a little better. Yeah, or, or or even or even like, um, you know, uh, my sheep already told me that you guys are in there. You mm-hmm. know, like you're you're not fooling anybody in there. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, my 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 sheep and oxen have already informed me of your presence. Yeah. You know. I'll tell um, you what. You let the open the door. I'll make you breakfast. And then next thing you know, <laughs> Bilbo's already at the door unlocking it. Yeah, yeah. Brian points out at least his bees would tell him as they're clearly going in and out. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, it's it is. Um, I but, don't know. I mean, but kudos to them for trying. Yeah, because yeah. I think I think I remember us, you know, talking about the scene, saying we're not sure how it would work on screen, but but if they do do it, you know, hey, good for them. They right. did it. Right. They did it. <laughs> they did it. And I think, you know, in some ways, this probably also, thinking back to my debate with Serena as well, this probably is one of the things that informs my own flexibility, you know, Mm -hmm. the the leeway that I'm willing to give. Like, I'm, 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 the fact that I'm willing to say, um, you know, in two consecutive sentences with no sense of contradicting myself, that these movies are in some ways coherent, and yet I think they're fine. Like, I admire what they're doing. Um, the reason I don't have that much of a problem with that, I think, is, is, is in some ways that one of the things that I'm looking for is sort of more episodic in that way. Yeah. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm sufficiently interested in the individual things that they're doing that if it doesn't all hold together perfectly well, eh. I can forgive them for that. Yeah. Um, you know, it would, you know, to me... I don't know. I mean, and I'm not 100% sure exactly why that should be. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think I would think that same thing of a different film or a different set of right. films. Um, but I don't know. As for as for Thran, uh, I have no. I'm not even sure how I would do that. Like, I guess maybe if you did it somewhat book-like, where Gandalf finds him and talks to him, and then he expires. But but it's still because of the timing of things. It still begs the question of why did he live this? Why did they leave him alive this long? And then he just right. now dies. 
Yeah, I, I, that's why, that's what got me at the end, too. I mean, it's like, I was just leaving you long enough to talk to Gandalf. Like, yeah, I, that doesn't make any sense. Actually, um, I, you know, I think, I think you could, uh, could have rescued those scenes somewhat if you'd had, if you just had Azog kill him. Right. If you just right. had Azog confront them and then, and then Thran attacks Azog to try and defend Gandalf, it's like, right. I'll hold him off, you go. I think that would have made more right. sense. It would have made more sense. It would have been there's 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 the risk of well I mean I was gonna say there's the risk of anticlimax and you know Fran living there and then you know Azog just swats him off a precipice and 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 he dies, but it's not like getting sucked into the dark hole vacuum cleaner is not anticlimactic yeah. in that way. Um, <laughs> especially since I mean when you like tell Thorin that I love him like it all sounds like I'm about to die a dramatic and yeah. self-sacrificing <laughs> death right. Uh, or I mean, almost I, sounds like, I honestly yeah. thought he was going to turn and make a break and jump off the cliff. That's what or I some, thought he was going to do. Or like yeah. attack Sauron somehow, <laughs> or something. Or he, Attempts he, to he accomplish better. anything. Yeah. In fact, yeah, yeah I yeah. would have. Yeah, yeah. Other than um, other than stand there. Yeah. No, I. Um, I. 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 So this is why, at the end of the day, I'm. On balance, disappointed. I mean, I think what I calculated about six and a half minutes mm-hmm. of material that I I would yeah. keep. Now I do. I guess I would. I would say. Um, I guess I would vote to keep one of those three Lake Town sequences. That is the uh, the Lake Town chase scene with seeing Bard and the other members of the town showing solidarity. I would. I would. I would. I guess I would vote to keep that. So. There's another a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. So that brings up to about eight minutes total. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there you go. Joyce just pointed out, how, how do we know Thrain is dead? So he may show up back up again in movie three. Hey, man, this guy's got a history <laughs> of, uh, you know, exactly, yeah. Maybe yeah. a mind-controlled Thran will show up at the Battle of Five Armies. Yeah, exactly. We, and Thorn yeah, will be yeah, tragically yeah. forced to kill him. You, it, Thran's not dead until you see the body. That's something we should already have learned. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah. Yeah. So here's a question. So you say, you say there's about eight minutes you would keep, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. eight minutes you would keep? You would say I would take those eight minutes and add them into the film, and then consider that the Desolation of Smaug film. But I, but I'm willing to bet that that doesn't mean that you, those are the you wish the re- other stuff didn't exist, right? That's not what you're saying. You're not saying that was a waste of their time to even shoot that. No, not necessarily. No, I, I'm saying that I think it it uh, does not. At the very least, it does not add to the movie. Yeah, and some of it detracts. Right. But, but guess, what about adding to – what about – because I wonder, is there a way in which – is there a reasonable way in which we can look at extended edition material like this stuff or just all, any DVD extras as – is there a way in which these are sort of analogous to the appendices of The Lord of the Rings or the or the history of Middle-earth and the multiple revisions of material that Tolkien did that, that you know, that, that they're not – part of the story proper but but still just the fact that they exist and we can look at them and think about them adds something to the experience of the material (laughs) if that were done yes (laughs) but like for instance the shooting of the queer lodgings scene Uh i like the fact as you say i'm willing to i'm willing to agree that like it's cool that they shot it Mm mm-hmm 
but the net result of them putting it in where they did and how they did makes me wish it weren't there. Right. Um, if it were an appendix, yeah. you know, if we just were getting it almost like an outtake or something, right. I would think it was fun. I would think it was cool. Well, I, I would argue that I, I would argue that it's sort of that it could be within your power, right? Like you could you could make the 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 Corey Olson cut. Um, where you just recommend here's the scenes to skip over while watching the right. extended edition, and then you'll get the definitive Corey Olson cut, <laughs> and then and then go back and rewatch the Thran material and the uh, and the dwarves showing up introducing themselves to Bayorn like in isol you know as isolated scenes. Don't watch them as part of the the you know in the context of the film. It'll ruin the film for you. But then you know <laughs> in isolation in an academic sense, go and study them. That's acceptable. Because, because really, what you're complaining about now is just the editing, uh, like. I guess, yeah, but but see, the thing is, I mean, like the Thrain sequence is still even even on its own, it's still it doesn't hold together. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're you know, right. it's I would like elements of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, like the the dwarf ring, I would keep. I'd keep mm-hmm. the dwarf ring. You know, so Gandalf finding him and him telling about that. You know, seeing that shot of the dwarf ring and then him with his finger cut off, like. I'd keep that. You know, that works. But <laughs> I, I, Man, I'm thinking we really need to do a – I think we should create a um, Riddles in the Dark definitive cut of uh, of all of these films, the Lord of the yeah. Rings and Hobbit films, where we go through and say, here's the scenes worth – and not just not just of the extended material. We, we're allowed to cut out theatrical scenes as well. Yeah, absolutely. We'll just cut out yeah. the entire Aragorn falling over the cliff, floating down the river and hallucinating. We'll just cut that out. <laughs> Oh, man, I think we should let's, do this. We'll just publish a list. Remove, let's remove the uh, the scene in the, the the exchange in the Council of Elrond where Boromir recognizes Aragorn and Aragorn yeah. sa- and says he turned from that path long ago. I just cut that exchange yep. right out. We could um, maybe we could completely <laughs> alter the Aragorn story arc with some yeah. key cuts. Yeah, where he cut goes from being oh, dark and, and Faramir. Maybe we could make Faramir. Look yeah, too. yeah, we could rehabilitate Faramir. That'd be tough, but we could. There are it's some things we could do. We I think. You know, All right. But, yeah, we can. I think yeah. this is our project for 2015. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's um, here's 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 my other question. Here, here's the other thing we need. We need okay. people who pay more attention to what I say in Riddles in the Dark than I do. <clears throat> to tell me, <laughs> remember how many times last year, talking about the desolation of Smaug. Did, or, or this year when we've been have we said well but that fortunately that's going to be in the extended I mean we used to joke about how like how long the extended edition of the Desolation of Smaug was going to be because we had this growing list of stuff that we were really really hoping would be covered now I can't remember like most of the things that we said <laughs> were going to be on this list mm-hmm. but I would love to have a list of the things that we at some point or other over this last year said we really hope that they put that into the extended edition and compare and see um see not just how well they did it but what are the things that we really thought and hoped would be in the extended edition that they just didn't even yep. do at all um, is anyone out there listening my, paying my, attention while listening to our podcast because we're not paying attention while Fisher. making it timothy fisher just needs yeah. to like you know transcribe all of our riddles in the dark yes episodes. there you go yeah yeah uh yeah exactly if there's uh, uh if it's, yeah no, i it's... need that done anyway for my for my thesis so <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right Just on. Birds with one stone. Uh, Tim. Tim's like going no. 
<laughs> well, it's not because tennis nuggets that much material. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's it's only what? Oh, God. It's like, like hours. 90 hours yeah, or it's, so. It's got to be over 100 hours now. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> Timothy Fisher just did a Wilhelm it. scream. He says. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I know that at the top of our time here, I mentioned the you know, that I was hoping there'd be more. Like, and Dave did too about in the in the Elven King's halls. Yeah. I know that one we had talked about earlier. I was so sure there'd be more. Yeah. I was so sure there'd be more about Bilbo saving them as a you know part of his character arc. Yeah. Why was there not like Why was there not like a twenty minute montage of Bilbo's antics in the in the halls of the Elven King? <laughs> Because they were only in there for 25 minutes, that's why. <laughs> it didn't have that long. In I mean, real time. I, we couldn't middle get, time, exactly, minutes. middle of time. We couldn't get a real, like, like a scene of Bilbo stealing food to survive because he didn't even, it was, they, yeah. didn't, they weren't there for a meal. Yeah, a meal know? didn't I mean, even transpire. Exactly. Bilbo didn't have time to get hungry between when they were put in their cells and when he took them out, you know? So, so yeah, no, that was unnecessary. Um Though I have to say that um, uh, I have to. Oh, by the way, Robert Brown says the official count of our total rules in the dark time is seven days, five hours, sixteen minutes, and fifty-seven seconds. How does he even know that? <laughs> iTunes. That's got to be an iTunes marker. That sounds like it. Uh, like at the yeah, bottom of the playlist. Yeah, that's got to be. Oh yeah, be. good idea. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Of course, Carolyn. Now, uh, Carolyn is wanting to go super Easter egg here and wanting the scene with Bilbo stuffing his pockets full of cupcakes. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really obscure reference, Carolyn. Of course, in in that's because that's not even in that's not even the Hobbit. That's in the first draft of the Hobbit. Mm -hmm. um, the the first like abandoned uh, sequence of the Elven King's halls, um, where originally what Bilbo was going to do was before he thought of before Tolkien thought of the barrel sequence, he was going to go back. And uh, uh, and go back to Bjorn's, where Gandalf was still just hanging out with Bjorn, doing nothing in particular. Right. So like Gandalf's like, "Go on ahead, I'll catch you." You know, I got other things to do. And it turns out he's just like drinking beer with Bjorn the whole time. And, 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 and <laughs> Dang it! Why didn't they film that? <laughs> Bilbo and Bil so Bilbo sets out to go back, but he still he steals food. But what he steals because they're elves, right? They're fairies. Mm -hmm. so, fairy he, cakes, yeah. so he puts fairy cakes in his pockets. But fairy cakes it, are that's it's a joke because of course it'd be like the bread of fairy. But fairy cakes in England that's that's those are those are what we in America call cupcakes. Um, so you know this idea of Bilbo stuffing his pockets full of cupcakes in order to head back across Mirkwood uh, to. To, to roust uh, Gandalf out of his carousing with Bjorn long enough to come and actually save the dwarves from imprisonment, which in the first draft they were in prison for a long like months and months and months they were in prison. I suppose um, Peter Jackson doesn't actually have the rights to that material, does he? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Can you? Uh, I wonder what the Tolkien estate would do if he had like a scene of like just like a just like a. a, a quick clip of Bilbo walking through um, uh, on screen, like stopping through the kitchen, picking up a cupcake and walking out with it, biting into it. I'm telling you, Carolyn, how much would I love that? How much would I have loved to see Bilbo just, I mean, just like, you know, you don't even have to explain it. Just have him steal a cupcake. Yeah. You know, while he's in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it'd be awesome. Just awesome. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah. Well, that, no, that, I, that's part of the project then too, is the scenes we would like to see. Right? see oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
scenes that should have been in there. Yeah, then we can have, like, crowdsource, just have some people film themselves acting them out on YouTube, and we'll insert them in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure Brianna yeah. would help us with that. That's uh -huh. not a problem. I'm sure, Brianna, yeah. I, I'm sure, I was just, uh, obviously, it's pretty clear that we've been implying all along that Brianna's actually going to make this. So mm -hmm. um, I, was, I, was, I was trusting that she was going to see that uh, subtext in this conversation. Uh, yes, we've got, yeah. we're, so we're volunteering all those people. So Brianna's hiding, and Timothy, Timothy, after Robert said we had 173 hours, he's just buried himself <laughs> in the high fells. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. So he doesn't have to transcribe. Yeah. Not that we impose upon our volunteers in any way. We really would hate to do that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it's 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 hard. I mean, I do think. I mean, and in the end, I can't really say that I think the extended edition of the Desolation of Smaug is better than the theatrical mm. edition. No, I'm not sure that that isn't the first time I'd say that. I know that film people like the theatrical version of the Lord of the Rings films better than the extended editions because they're like, oh, they're so much tighter and there's just like a lot of extra, they're so much slower in the extended editions to which I respond, I don't care. If you care about that, I don't. I don't care about slow. I would have taken eight-hour films. You know, I want more content. I don't want I don't want more flow. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's your taste, my taste, that's fine. I, we can agree to disagree about that. From my point of view, the you know, the, the materials that were added um, even when they were not strictly speaking necessary, you know, to the um, to the to the film, like for instance, the scene with Aragorn hunting the, you know, coming back with the deer and talking about singing the Luthien song and having that exchange with Frodo about about Baron and Luthien, um, like that that that. that, that, that I like that, you know, mm -hmm. it added something and it added something that was cool, but I, you know, unlike what we got in. What uh, what out of whatever the fraction that is eight minus or twenty seven minus eight uh, of uh, of this uh, you know of this extended edition, um, most of it just I think didn't really help in this way. Yeah, it is it it is funny, like maybe the 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 unexpected journey stuff was a little better. But felt the same way too. It just wasn't like eh, it was just eh. Didn't really add anything. Well, we didn't, didn't really we care. We didn't do this. This we didn't do an, an analogous episode for the unexpected journey. So I don't even have. I mean, I was noticing as I went through it this past week, but I, don't, I mean, I don't have in front of me a list of the scenes that were yeah. actually added there. But I, mean, I just I, remember I being really underwhelmed. Yeah. Well, I was underwhelmed in the sense that there was less of it than I wanted, but most of what was there I liked. Maybe that's because. Like half of what was taken out that was put back in the extended edition was mm -hmm. more songs, which I really liked, actually, um, by and large. Um, you know, like the fact that they added the like Bofer singing the Man in the Moon song in Rivendell, I like that. I like that scene in the extended ed yeah. edition. We got to see young Bilbo first meet Gandalf. I liked that Gandalf too. I liked that very much. I thought that added a lot, actually. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. Trying to hide from Gandalf, which I thought was cute. But still yes. not still not as good as the extended editions of the Return Lord of right, the Lord of the Rings. No, I don't think so. But but again, I I wouldn't necessarily. If we had been having this conversation a year ago today, I don't think I'd be making an invidious distinction between them. It's this one that really is making yeah. me say, uh, you know, I, I, of the five movies, this is the first one that I think I would say. I prefer the theatrical edition, even though there are a few things that we gain that I like. I, I think the extended edition 
is unbalanced worse than the theatrical. And I don't think I would say that for any of the other four movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, wasn't the exchange between Bilbo and Elrond where Elrond yes, says he's welcome to stay? I was just thinking that. Yeah, that's that was awesome. I mean, the, the, so there were a bunch of. I mean, hmm. so even just 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 ennumerating the ones we just thought of off the top of our heads, right? right. There was more White yeah. Council conversation. Young Bilbo. The, the, the ceremony conversation about the ring wasn't a lot of that. That was exactly yeah. The dwarf ring stuff there was 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 in there. The overheard conversation between right. Bill, uh, Gandalf and Elrond about Thorin being. We had naked dwarves we had to put up with, but. Yeah, um, and the, the the Bilbo and Elrond scene, that's already, that's already, the, the, I, I liked the, the Man in the Moon song in Rivendell. That's mm-hmm. five. That's five scenes that they added that I liked, and there may be some others that I'm not thinking of. That's already outnumbers, you know, having gone through rigorously the, uh, the, the Desolation of Smaug. Hmm. Even the Naked Dwarves, I'm not saying I'd like the Naked Dwarves scene, but I don't object, uh, but I would still say that it added more than many, than, 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 Half of the scenes in uh, in the well, it certainly underscored the elf dwarf chasm. You know yeah. that was what it was yeah. really there for. I mean, it was, it was, it was as, as Chris Miller says, better naked dwarves than mountain oysters, which didn't serve <laughs> really much of a purpose at all, except right. a cheap joke. Right, right, exactly. Um, and I, uh, I mean, like I said, I to me, the Man in the Moon <clears throat> song sequence established the same thing that the the naked dwarves in the fountain scene established much better um uh so therefore i could if that's the reason i why i i would have done without the naked dwarf scene right um uh so but but again it's that's again what six to one scenes of scenes that i liked better in the in the you know um hmm. Compared to the ratio of four to uh, what is it four to nine um, of scenes I like and don't like in in the Desolation of Smaug, maybe five to eight at at most. Anyway, but the good news is wait until Friday for the trailer. That's right. It's much more Talking positive. It'll be a much more positive. Yeah, well, and, sure. and and I, yeah, I do, I do, I do really like this trailer. You know, we'll see what I think after yep. we look at it really closely. But, um, but it's certainly, um, yeah, the the marketing, the promo material for for Battle of Five Armies has been so bad. Um, and so, yeah, it's just been, I mean, like after that, uh, after that tapestry, you know, I mean, anything would be a relief, uh, but. <laughs> Um, but in even that first, even I mean the teaser trailer. I mean we talked about that. The teaser trailer was quite bad. The Desolation of Smaug trailers were excellent, mm-hmm. and that that yeah. was that was awful. Yeah. So that was a little bit of an abrupt ending there. But the truth is, we just uh, went from there into a whole bunch of talking about funds raised and prize winners and whatnot. So I figured you wouldn't want to hear that part of it. However, I do think that you should get, as expected, the traditional Tolkien professor ending, even though it's me and not Corey doing it. So thanks for listening, and Godspeed.